Blog Talk Radio.
protect you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. God is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, mighty Lord, mighty God. Lord Jesus, I ask you tonight, Lord, that you will minister to your people, Lord, according to the need, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, every life, every home, every family, Lord, come under the blood of Jesus, the blood of Yeshua, the blood of Jehoshua, the blood shed on Calvary, Lord. Let everyone listening come under the blood, Jesus, be ministered by you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Yeshua, name, Joshua, name, according to the need, O Lord. We need more of you, Lord, less of us, Lord Jesus, that you will increase in our life and we will decrease. In Jesus' name, let thy will be done, Lord, in our hours, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty Lord. Let your anointing, let your fire, let your presence flow tonight in a special way, Lord Jesus. Minister, Lord Jesus, minister to your people, Lord. Bring the hope up of your people, the faith, increase the faith, increase the hope, Lord Jesus, that they may trust you, Lord. They may trust you with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their understanding, Lord. They will hold on to you, Lord Jesus. They will look up to you and not the stock market and nothing else, Lord, but you, Lord. They will not trust on the bank account, Lord, but they will trust in you, Lord, the provider the maker, the creator, the supplier, oh, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, mighty Jesus, mighty God. Glorify, Lord Jesus, amongst your people, Lord. It's you that we need, Lord. You are the answer to all the problems of this earth, Lord Jesus. You are the answer to all the problems of creation, Lord. All the need of creation is you, Lord. It is you that we need and nothing else, Lord. Mighty Lord, mighty God, in Jesus' name we pray, Lord, that you will help us, Lord Jesus, to continue, to continue to grow, to continue to mature, to continue to believe your word, Lord, and practice, Lord, and obey your word, your commandment, in Jesus' name we pray the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Shalom, shalom, my brother, my sister. Welcome to the Lord's Tower. Praise the Lord. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To all things there is an appointed time, and a time for every purpose. It is purpose under the heaven. Everything under the heaven, thank you, Brother Body, has a purpose, has a plan of God. And we fall under the plan of God. And it's up to us to be obedient. It's up to us to seek God. It's up to us to come to him knowing that we need him and that without him there's nothing we can do. As he told his disciples in John 15, 4, it is very important that we get that deep into our heart and life, that we need Jesus more than the air we breathe, more than the light we see, more than everything that is around us. We need him. He is our life. Brothers and sisters, he is our joy. He is our happiness. He is everything we need. That's why Father God has given us Jesus, because he knows that all we need. We don't need nothing else but Jesus. We don't need nothing else but him alone. He is the answer to all of our problems. Jesus Christ is the answer to all of our needs, brothers and sisters. He is the source. Praise you, Lord. And so we need him, brothers and sisters, more every day. 
And so the more we focus on him, the more we learn, the more we mature, the more we grow, the more our life becomes stable in him. Here, listen to what the, what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, which is where I'm going to begin tonight, I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul, from the revelation of Jesus to his own life in the third heaven, he explained and tells and teaches them he was a rabbi, one of the greatest rabbi after Jesus, the greater rabbi, of course, being our Lord and rabbi, Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul was a great rabbi, a great teacher. Praise your Lord. And this is what he wrote from God, led by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 1 says, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. He immediately began to glorify Jesus. He immediately began to glorify God. Because in all our conversation about the Lord, we must learn to glorify our Lord and God. All glory belongs to him. It is from him that we receive the gift. Thank you, Lord. Verse 2, to them which are in Colossians, saved and faithful brethren in Christ, grace be with you, and peace from our God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how the Apostle Paul did not begin criticizing anyone, pointing finger to anyone. He began to say to them which are our Colossians, these brothers and sisters are in this city and in this place, saint and faithful brethren in Christ, he said. He began, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, to say they were saints, they were holy. They were going to the holiness we know as we are all going to the holiness of Jesus, and we are in him, and we that are repenting, that are under the blood of Jesus, his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That makes you and I saints, and not only saints, that makes us faithful, brethren in Christ, faithful to repent, faithful to seek the Lord, faithful to bow to our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Grace be with you. We know that grace is a gift of salvation and eternal life is a gift. Thank you, Lord, for that gift. He said, be with you. Praise you, Lord. Peace from God our Father. We hear about the peace that Jesus said he gives us, he gives us not like the world does, but now he talks about the peace from our Father. Have you ever prayed that you receive the peace from God the Father? Maybe you never thought about that, but it's in the Word of God that the Father gives us peace. And it is tremendous peace, brothers and sisters. It is such a powerful peace. And we need that peace in these last days. We need to have the Father peace in our life, in our daily walk. It's an overwhelming peace where you cannot think of nothing else but God. We need that peace of Father. Thank you, Lord. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, both of God being one, you can ask for the peace of Father, you can ask for the peace of Jesus, and you will have so much joy in your life. Thank you, Lord. Verse 3. We give thanks to God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, always praying for you. This is the attitude or the behavior, praise the Lord, or the motivation that God wants each and one of us to have. Always praying for our brothers and sisters. 
Sometimes my, sometimes my brothers and sisters write to me, and they say, pray for me and my family. Those that had asked me years ago to pray for them, they are already on my prayer list. They are already there. Praise the Lord. And I'm not going to tell you I don't need reminders, but I take my responsibility very serious before the Lord. And when they ask me to ask to add onto my prayer list, they're already there. And I pray for them every day in my prayer list. I tell the Lord about those people that I'm supposed to be praying for them every day. It's my responsibility, I feel. I feel not to pray for them is to kind of be unfaithful to God. It is so important, brothers and sisters, that we pray for one another. And I take this very serious, and that's why I can share it, because I do it. And I want to encourage you to do it also, to make this a priority in your life, your relationship with God, with your family, your responsibility, and your responsibility to pray for your brothers and sisters. It is a must that we, we have to do every day, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Paul said, we, think we give thanks to God, even our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, always praying for you. How is that? Father, I present to you my brother, body. Thank, for, thank you for him. That's how Paul prayed. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for my sister Marietta. I thank you, Lord. That's how he prayed for his brothers and sisters. He prayed for whatever need they have. Praise the Lord. We don't know all the needs. I, I pray for thousands of people. How can I know all, all of our needs? But when we pray, Paul is teaching us always to be thankful for our brothers and sisters. Be thankful for those that are faithful, that are seeking the Lord, that are repenting, brothers and sisters. It's very important. We practice thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so important in the Lord to be grateful for what you have, knowing one another, being together with one another, being uh, part of the bride of Christ, brothers and sisters, knowing each other. Hallelujah. It is a precious thing. And God planned it this way, that we will know each other in the last days. Thank you, Lord. It's so important. Verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love toward all the saints, there are things that there are quality in people that we thank God for them. Praise the Lord. These brothers are Colossians. Learn to appreciate one another. Thank you, Lord. They love, hallelujah, each other. And that is precious. That is, so, that is so awesome. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, and of your love to all the saints, they love one another. They, they, they express the love among each other where everyone could notice what a great love this church has, these brothers and sisters have. That is so powerful and so important. And today, in these last days, we need to practice this even more. Sometimes it feels weird when you tell someone I love you, and when someone says it back to you, even through an email or message, you say, I love you, brother, or I appreciate what you do. Thank you, Lord. Or, or thank you for praying for me. Very important. We say little things like this because this keeps us in the unity of the saints. And, and the brothers of Colossians were this way with one another. Praise the Lord. 
And when we are this way with one another, when we can appreciate one another, brothers and sisters, the things start that, that, that are in our life that, that, that we are not happy about are not even noticed, brothers and sisters. Our shortcomings are not even noticed when we appreciate one another. Thank you, Lord. When we learn to mature, we learn to grow from one another, learn from one another. Some people don't like to learn from one another. This is very important also, that we learn from one another. But the good thing, not the bad thing, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. It's very important that we learn. And God has always teach everyone something different for us to learn from one another. Verse 5, for the whole sake which is laid upon you in heaven, therefore ye have heard before that by the word of truth, which is this gospel. Thank you, Lord. The word of truth, which is this gospel, said the Apostle Paul. Have you heard, have you heard the hope for the hope's sake? In this hope that you and I are in, the hope, hallelujah, in Christ, we have a hope that Christ is coming for us soon. The departure, the hard parcel, brothers and sisters, the leaving this earth soon, it is so important that we stay in that hope and that we don't change our mind, not by, not, not by doctrines of the apostles, not by letter, but not by anyone else teaching. You don't change your mind and believe in Christ and Jesus. Because in this hope that you are in, you're going to be blessed by God. We're all spirits of blessing. Praise you, God. There is nothing you will ever need because God is going to provide all your need according to his riches and glory. All your spirits of need will be met by God. Verse 6. Which is to come to you, unto you, even as it is unto all the world, is fruitful as it is also among you from the day that you heard and truly knew the grace of God. These brothers and sisters, from the moment, from the day they heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they continued, they pursued it to learn, to grow, to mature in the Lord, especially in the last days. And the Lord was showing me how soon the earth will be. It will be unrecognizable soon. How do we cope with the life we have now? Going into into a, a world ahead of us, who as soon as going to change, God continued to talk to His prophet. I was listening to prophecy on YouTube, one after another, of the judgment that God is bringing just to America. Different prophets got word from the Lord, and they're all similar: judgment, change, destruction, tsunami, earthquakes. There is so much coming the Lord is saying to us and is showing me and many other people. How do we cope? How do we deal soon with all this judgment coming? Unless we are rooted in the word of God, rooted in the Lord, holding on to the promise that he has made us, that soon he's getting us out of here. We need to be rooted. How do we cope with all these changes that are coming? Praise. How do we deal with all these changes? Hallelujah. There's so much changes coming. And if you are a person that don't know how to deal with changes, 
sudden destruction. The Bible talks about sudden destruction, like a woman in labor and pain. So soon will the earth, will the people will have to deal with sudden destruction. How do you cope with that, brothers and sisters? How do you cope with sudden destruction? Seeing everything you love, everything that you grew up looking at, all of a sudden it's going to change. Thank you, Lord. Bible said in First Thessalonians 5, 3, For when they shall stay peace and safety, they shall come upon them sudden destruction as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Who is they? They are those who are not repenting. They are those whose lives are not being changed by the Messiah, whose lives don't have the Spirit of God in them because they are refusing the salvation, the eternal salvation that God has prepared from before the foundation of this earth. They, the wicked, they, the evil ones, who refuse to repent, who refuse to give the life to Jesus, their destruction will not delay, says the apostle Peter, brothers and sisters. It's right before them. But that destruction is not before you and I, because we are going to be taken out of the way. Noah, before God destroyed the earth, God had in mind for Noah and his family and art, as he has for you and I today, Jesus Christ, the ark. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is a New Testament ark. It's the last day ark for God's people. As Noah and his family, God had in his mind and heart to have them escape from the wrath to come in an ark. And he did, as law was sent to angels to get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah before judgment came. And the angel told him, hurry up. Praise the Lord. Hurry up and escape. Get out. Because the judgment was coming. Praise the Lord. And it's high and an hour. That's why the Lord is telling his people now, prepare Get ready to be taken out, out of the way, as he told Noah, as he told Law, as the angel told Law from the message from God, prepare to get out. Prepare to escape. Get out. Get out. Because the judgment is coming. Praise the Lord. And God has a day and an hour when the judgment is about to come. And who will endure? Who's going to stay down here and endure what is coming? Because everything that people love, their car, their money, their home, their city, their state, their country, is going to be destroyed. Everything they love right before their eyes, brothers and sisters. Who will want to live in the earth this way? Why are they refusing to repent when sudden destruction, like a woman who is about to have a child, she cannot say, I'm not going to have this baby. Because she's already nine months or close to nine months. Brothers and sisters, she's close to nine months. She cannot say, I do not want to have this baby. But maybe people think this way, other escape, because you got abortion. 
abortion is a way for people to get out from raising a child. But for women, for men, and abortion since the 70s have been rampaged in the United States and around the world. So much abortion in India, in China, and around the world, brothers and sisters. It's starting. It hurt your heart to hear of all the abortion that are going on. So much abortion is going on, brothers and sisters. If this is not of God, maybe that's giving people the mentality that there is another way out, that not necessarily the rapture is the only way out, that there is this other way out, because it's, the rapture is like a woman in travail ready to have a child. But then you got abortion. You got abortion, they say. So they think immediately when you talk about the rapture, well, this has to be another way out. There can only be one way to rapture. There has to be another way, they think, or they will not escape. When Father God told me what, what these people in CERN and showed me what these people in CERN are doing, the abomination that they're doing, brothers and sisters, that will bring the desolation upon the earth soon. When I saw this abomination that will bring the desolation like the Antichrist, the Antichrist is an abomination, said Jesus Christ in Matthew 24, bringing the desolation. Nothing good but destruction is what he's bringing. These people concerned with this machine, there is an abomination what they're doing. And through it, Father God is going to allow them to bring desolation upon the earth, destruction everywhere, where they will not escape their own destruction, with their own technology, with their own machine. They are bringing destruction upon themselves, and they will not escape. As a woman who's about to have a child, they will not escape the pain, the hurting that they're bringing upon themselves. Praise the Lord. Because of their sins and disobedience, of their refusing to receive Jesus, of their refusing to repent their sin, the only escape God gave humanity is what Jesus, is through what Jesus did on the cross. He gave his life that we may be saved through him. As they refuse the cross, they, they receive upon to themselves dead and punishment. Because without Christ, that's all it is. There is no life without Christ. He is the life, praise the Lord, of all men. He is the only abundant life that men can have, abundant life that have, will have no end. He gives you life, and you keep on living, and you keep on living, and comes the millennium, and you keep on living for 1,000 years, and comes eternity, and you keep on living, and you keep on living forever. Jesus Christ is our life. He's our abundant life that God has prepared for us. This is abundant life. And that life has no end. His abundant life has no end. Hallelujah. He gives us the gift of eternity, salvation. Praise the Lord. To be saved forever. To be with God is to be saved forever. To have Jesus in your heart is to be saved forever. Whether we live or die, Paul said we will be with the Lord. Whether we live or die, we don't need to be afraid of dying. We don't need to be afraid of anything. If you have Christ in your heart, if you have Christ in your life, you don't need to be afraid because he is the life, he is eternal life. And that eternal life cannot be taken for you. Don't be afraid of things. 
hallelujah, that can destroy your body, but cannot destroy your soul. But be afraid of him that can destroy your, your body and soul in hell, and that's only God. How can God destroy someone's soul, body, and soul in hell as they die in sin, refusing to repent, brothers and sisters, refusing to receive Jesus, refusing to come out of their own evil ways, turning away from the evil ways that will leave them, brothers and sisters, leave their life into eternal punishment, which is hell, and then the lake of fire that will burn with fire and brimstone. That's not what God wants to give humanity. He has much, much better plan for humanity than the lake of fire, than hell itself, brothers and sisters. Much more. Much more. But the apostle Paul doesn't stop there. As he said that the woman would have shouted that they should not escape. That is the rapture. Praise the Lord. The bride comes out of the belly of the earth into heaven. That's the rapture. Again, the bride comes out of the belly of the earth into heaven, life. She comes out of life because that's what Jesus Christ gives you, life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 4, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, says Paul. It's good. It is Paul wants people to understand those that are saved, those that have received Christ. They need to understand. They need to hear the teaching that they are not in darkness. If you have received Christ, you are in light. Because Jesus Christ is the light of this world. And not just the light of this world, the light that is in every man, the light that is in you and I. That the day shall come on you as it was a thief. Thieves who come to kill, steal, and destroy cannot come for you and I. He can come for anybody else, but not you and I, brothers and sisters. And that is the devil. Jesus come like a thief in the middle of the night, but he's not a thief. He never stole anything. He's too honest to steal anything. And then Paul says in verse 5, But ye are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night, neither of darkness. We have no part in darkness. Darkness has no part in us, brothers and sisters. Darkness has no part in us. We have no part in darkness. We have nothing to do with darkness, and darkness has nothing to do with us. Although darkness keeps coming against us every day, looking for a way to get into our life. Do not let darkness come in you. Remember the beginning of Genesis, that God separated the light from the darkness. Because God did not want his children to have nothing to do with the devil. The darkness represents the devil in his kingdom. Right from the beginning of Genesis, God separated the day, the light from the darkness. He called the day, the, the, the light day, and the darkness night. That's why we are not children of the night. We are not children of darkness. We are children of the day, which is represented by Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We have nothing to do with darkness. Darkness has nothing to do with us, brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. How can we watch and be sober unless we are coming together like we do here in the Lord's Tower, sharing God's word, reminding one another of what the word of God says, Hallelujah, preparing ourselves 
to meet the Lord who is about to come for each one of us. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing better to be doing now than being on the Word, than being sharing the Word of God, than being together talking about Jesus, being reminded of the coming of Jesus, how close, how soon. None of us know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming, but we know the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said even this in regard to the coming of Jesus. Look what he said. This about people's minds. First Thessalonians 5, 2 says, For ye yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord should come even as a thief in the night. How do we know perfectly? Because the word of God is perfect. And as we read the word, we see the sign and wonders in the cloud. We see the judgment. We see the earthquake trembling, shaking. We saw an earthquake just happened today in Japan. Praise the Lord. In some other country, the earth is shaking. The earth is shaking. The earth continues to shake. Why does the earth continue to shake? What is God trying to tell us? Prepare. Because my word is coming to pass right before your eyes, right before your ears. Look at the news. Listen to what the news has to say. They're talking about earthquakes. They're talking about that the earth is shaking. Prepare. Prepare. Listen. Believe and repent. Just by the sign, we should know Jesus is coming. Just by the earthquake. Brothers and sisters, we should know that Jesus is coming. Because the prophet Isaiah said that the earth will be shaken like a drunken. Praise the Lord. And none will escape. None will escape. Brothers and sisters, the destruction has been, have been prophesied. It has been prophesied. How can anyone escape what God has said through his holy prophet? God has said it through his prophet Isaiah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He has said it. Isaiah 24, 20, the earth shall reel to, to and fro like a drunken man, shall be removed like a tent, and the iniquity therefore shall be heavy upon it, so that it shall fall and rise no more. The earth will not, will, not, will not rise no more. Why? Because God has promised new earth and new heaven. That's why he said he will end this one. He will destroy this one. This one will not rise. Praise the Lord. It will not rise. Once this earth goes down in destruction and wrath by God, it will not rise. New, that's why the prophets prophesy about new heaven and new earth. Everything will have to be made new. Jesus had me the other time for a few hours. The, the, I, was, I was in the millennium delating or enjoying the beautiful earth and how peaceful it will be. The towns, oh, God, everything's going to be so beautiful. Jesus is going to be there. His presence is going to be there. He's going to walk about, up and down in the millennium. He's going to visit you while you're making your tea, your cup of tea. Jesus is going to sit with you in, the, in your kitchen. You can, you're going to walk with Jesus in your backyard, and you're going to say, Jesus, come and look at my tomatoes. They're growing, Lord. <laughs> That's the life he wants you to have where he is in you as he was with Adam and Eve. 
He walked in the cool of the garden every morning. Jesus told me he enjoyed spending time, time with Adam and Eve. In the millennium, praise the Lord, we're going to enjoy time with Jesus. We're going to have visitation of Jesus in visitation of the presence of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Spirit. It's going to move in the millennium, and you're going to see the person of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to wave up him. But not only God, not only God, Father God also. Oh, that was a beautiful surprise the Lord gave me. Father God also is going to visit the millennium. When I saw Father God in the millennium, I could not truly see him 100%, but I knew it was him. I can see how tall, how giant he is. But I don't know what other words to call Father God. He is a giant, more than a hundred foot tall, and his glory and power. An angel, baby angel, 99, tall, 99 feet tall, was coming out of his presence. Thank you, Lord. Can you imagine? You're calling up Jesus to meet you at 5 o'clock in your house to have dinner with you. Imagine Jesus coming up for dinner. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord is going to dwell among us, brothers and sisters. It always been in his heart to do so. That's why we read in Genesis in the cool of the day when Jesus took me to the garden. Jesus was telling me how much he enjoyed being with men and women in the garden every day was his delight. You know that the Lord delights in you as even in the word of God. You know that Jesus delight in you. Thank you, Lord. You know what the word delight means? That God appreciates you so much. Hallelujah. God appreciates you so much he wants to be with you. Hallelujah. Oh, God, it's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Even the Bible in Psalm 37, 4, the light I saw in the Lord, and he should give them, hallelujah, give thine heart desire. Hallelujah. Not only that we delight in the Lord, brothers and sisters, the Lord delights in us. He loves us so much. Hallelujah. Oh, he loves us so much. So before I go there, listen to this. Psalm 37, 11. But meek men should possess the earth and should have their, their delight in the multitude of peace. That's exactly what I saw in the millennium. Multitude, not just peace. It was multitude of peace. <laughs> I love that word, multitude. That to me, that tells me that's a lot of peace. Multitude of peace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 55, 14, which delighted in consulting together and went into the house of God as companions. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 68, 16, why lead ye, ye high mountain, as, as for the mountain God delighted to dwell in it, yea, the Lord will, will dwell in it forever. Even in the mountain on earth that we have today, when God was on earth, he delighted to be in those mountains, like Mount Zion. Can you believe that? Look at right there, Psalm 68, 66. He delighted to be in the mountain. God loved his creation. He loved his creation. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is so awesome. Hallelujah. Oh, David has so much to say. Psalm 119.24. Also, thy testimony are my delight and my counselor. Thank you, Jesus. That's what God wants to be like, David, delighting in everything he has for, for us. Hallelujah. Then he said in Psalm 119.47, in my delight should be in thy, in thy commandment, which I have loved. Their heart is sad as grief, but my delight is in thy law. David is awesome. He expresses love for God daily. He didn't care what people say, what people think. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, man, God, it's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Lord has to be our delight. His commandment has to be our delight. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God wants to delight in you as he wants us to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah 58, 14. Then shall thou delight in the Lord and will cause thee to, to upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That means it's going to come to pass. If God has said it, you can write it, hallelujah, on stone. We are going to the light in him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 62, 4. It should no more be said unto thee forsaken, neither should it be said any more to thy land. Desolated, for thou should be called Thy land, thou laugh, for the Lord delighted in thee, in thy land you have a husband. <laughs> there goes, there goes the Lord delighting in you and I, in our land and everything we're going to have. Thank you, Lord. The Lord is going to delight in everything we're going to have, brothers and sisters. Everything we're going to have in peace and joy and obedience, holiness and righteousness. God, because he's holy, righteous, and pure, he's going to delight in us and everything we have, brothers and sisters. What a delight. What a delight. God delights in us, and we delight in him. God delights in everything we do, and we delight in his commandment. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Are you looking forward to the millennium? Are you looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face? Because when that trumpet sounds, when that shofar goes off, brothers and sisters, when that shofar goes off, praise the Lord. You're going to the light in your Jesus. You're going to the light in the Lord when the Shabbat goes. Boom. Praise the Lord. When that trumpet goes off in Zion, praise the Lord. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. Praise the Lord. God will delight in us, and we will delight in him. He will delight in our love for him, and our obedience for him, and we will delight in his mighty power. We will delight in our God, in our awesome God, in our loving God. Thank you, Jesus. And everything he has for us, we're going to delight in the wedding supper of Jesus. We're going to delight in all the gifts he has for us. He, we're going to delight in the mansion that he went to make for us. He, I said, he said, I will go and prepare a place for thee, for where I am, ye also be. He wants us to be where he are. He's at the right hand of the Father. He wants us to be next to him. We are his delight. And you want the things that you delight in is to be close to you. 
So is Jesus. So is God. Everything. Hallelujah. The joy. He's going to rejoice at us, brothers and sisters. He's going to delight in us. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is so awesome. The Lord is so good. Our God is so good. Who is like our God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 9:24. But let him the glory, glory in, in this, that in he that understandeth and knoweth me. For I am the Lord, which show mercy, judgment, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, said the Lord. He delights in you and I. He delights in his creation. He wants to delight in you. He wants to delight in me. We are his creation. He loves us. I thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 14, 10, they said the Lord unto this, this people, God has said, delighted to wonder, hallelujah. Thank you, Jehana. Refrain their feet, therefore the Lord. They have not delighted in them. Why? Because of their iniquity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But he will not remember their sin and visit their iniquity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 32, 41. Yea, I will delight in them to do them good. I will plant them in the land assuredly with the whole with my whole heart and well with all my soul. When your heart, when your soul is for God, when your life is for God, God delights in you. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence. He delights in you. He delights in you. That's why we need to delight in the Lord. Delight in his commandment, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Jesus is so good. Hallelujah. Matthew twelve eighteen. Behold my servant who I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul delighteth. I will put my spirit in him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentile. That is Jesus Christ. You see, we are the bride of Christ. As Father delight in his son, he will also delight in you and I. Brothers and sisters, our God delights in us. Learn to delight yourself in your Lord, his commitment. Delight that you know that soon you're going to see him in the cloud. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 7.22 says, The Apostle Paul, for I delight in the Lord God concerning the inner man. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. Praise the Lord. Delight yourself in your God. Your God is good. Hallelujah. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. He will show you mercy. He will show you his love when you delight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Jesus is so good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in his commandment. Know that he's for you and that he is for you who can come against you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Psalm 119.35. Direct me in thy path of thy commandment, for there is for there for there is my delight. And my delight should be in thy commandment, which I have loved, said David. Thank you, Lord. What a great thing to delight in the commandment of the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm one nineteen seventy seven, let thy tender mercy come up to me, that I may live. For thy law is my delight. 
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm 1992 has said that thy law has been my delight. I should now have perished in my affliction. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 119, states, Thou of me, and I shall be safe. I will delight continuously in thy statutes. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. Jesus is so good. Psalm 119, 174, I have longed for thy salvation. O Lord, and thy law is my delight. He longed for his salvation. His salvation is available for you and I, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. He has so much in store for you and I. We need to learn to delight in the Lord. Ignore that the Lord loves us, that Jesus loves us, and he will give us a desire of our heart, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. First, Colossians 1 8 says, Who had also declared unto us love in the Spirit? For this is the call we also since the day we heard of it. She's not to pray for you and to decide that ye might be fulfilled with knowledge, his well and all wisdom and his spiritual understanding, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things, being fruitful in all good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see how important, hallelujah, is to increase, hallelujah, in the knowledge of God. Brothers and sisters, in the day to come, you and I need the knowledge of God, brothers and sisters, and it's going to help us so much with everything that is coming ahead of us. Paul also said in 111, strengthened with all might through his glorious power unto all patience and low suffering and joyfulness. These things need to be announced. These are the fruit of the Spirit, and they must be announced, brothers and sisters, in these days to come. And if you feel you don't have them, ask the Lord to give you these fruit of the Spirit, long suffering with joyfulness, with all patience. In glorious power, which is the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 132, hallelujah. I'm sorry. Verse 4, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us, hallelujah, made us, me to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. All these promises that God has is given us, we become partaker when we remain in the light, which is Jesus Christ is the light of the world, is the light of every man. The life of you and I, it is Jesus Christ. We want to be partaker of this inheritance. We must, hallelujah, hallelujah, remain. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated unto the kingdom of his dear son. I love that. His dear son, beloved son, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. We love him so much. Yes, we love Jesus so much. In whom we have redemption through his blood, that is, the forgiveness of sin. When you talk about the blood of Jesus being in someone's life, when we talk about the blood of Jesus cleansing you for no unrighteousness, we're talking about repenting of your sin. The forgiveness of sin can only come upon your life when you repent your sin. If you're not doing daily repenting, the blood of Jesus is not cleansing your life daily. And then it's a must that we repent daily. So the blood of Jesus is like a Niagara Fall coming down on us from the third heaven, cleansing us of our sin and of of unrighteousness, making our hearts, our lives righteous, right standing before God and pure and holy before our God and Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's so important that we stay, brothers and sisters, in daily cleansing. 
And that Niagara Falls, the blood of Jesus, cleanses us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, body, soul, and spirit. That we are cleansed daily. That we have right standing with God, righteousness, pureness, and holiness, separated from God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All this is through repenting. The forgiveness of sin comes. Who is the image of the invisible God, the first begotten of all of every creature? Jesus Christ is not only God, but he's all, he's all, all also the first begotten of all creation. Before anyone was created, before everything was created, Jesus Christ was already with God. And through him, Father God, praise the Lord, said, all right, I'm going to make, I'm going to make the angel, I'm going to make everything that is in heaven, I'm going to make everything that is in heaven, the angel and man. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Man was the last before man was the angel. I asked Jesus how old was the angel. If they were a trillion year old, he says, no. They're close to a trillion year old, but they're not a trillion year old yet, brothers and sisters. And I was amazed by that. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Man is thousands of years old since creation. Praise the Lord. This is why this fallen devil, as he was falling, hallelujah, millions of years ago, he, he has been planning the attack and and you and I and all God creation from the beginning come against us, and he's always starting ways to come against us. This is why we must be washing through the blood of Jesus, repenting our sin, and having the Lord protect us. Because no one's smarter than the Lord, brothers and sisters. No one's smarter than the Lord. And before our thought comes into the devil's mind, Jesus already knew it. Before the thought comes into your mind, he already knew it, brothers and sisters. So the devil can never surprise the Lord. He may surprise men, but he never can surprise the Lord. This is why if we stay in obedience and we stay every day under the blood and we repent our sin and take responsibility for our sin and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin, from, from all sin, all unrighteousness, and we are under the protection of the Lord and we have a hedge and a wall of fire, a hedge of protection according to John 1 said, and a wall of fire according to Zechariah 2 5. In our life daily, and we wear the armor of Ephesians 6, 12 on, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord, every day. And we are under protection of the, uh, hallelujah, under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91. We stay under this protection. We have the hedge that God gave Abraham, too. Thank you, Lord. I will be your hedge, your strong tower. If we are under the protection of the Lord, the devil cannot make his plan come through. How is it that the devil have any access into our life? Sin, unrepentant sin. The Lord has been very clear with me about this. If you have unrepentant sin in your life, if you don't take responsibility for your sin and repent your sin daily, and, and you leave a door open to the devil, he's going to attack you in your sleep. He's going to come in your sleep and attack you and make it look like he has any power over your life. He's going to make you believe he has any power over your life. Well, he does none, none. But it's up to you. It's up to men. The devil has no power in the garden. Adam and Eve has no authority from God in the garden. And God was there with them. Where was Jesus and God when, when the devil entered the garden to tempt Adam and Eve? God was always where he always been, in his throne, looking at everything that was happening. 
because God has given men the authority. It was up to men and women to rebuke that devil. They did not refuse the devil and choose to listen to his words, brothers and sisters. That's when they gave the devil the authority over the life. If you choose to listen to false teaching, you give the devil authority over your life. Listen careful, because the Lord has been very clear to me about this. He has said to me, my servant, if you go on YouTube and you listen to false teaching, the devil may have the right to attack you. If you listen to false teaching, you're going to have open door to the devil, and he's going to attack you. The Lord had me do this every night. When I go into repentance with the Lord, when I repent all my sin, all my unrighteousness, and I, I can feel the blood cleansing me, then I repent every, every sin and every disobedience that had opened the door to the devil. And I ask the Lord after I repent that, that those doors be closed. And the Lord closed the door, brothers and sisters. And I have felt demons around trying to get in, but they could not. Because when the doors are shut, they cannot get in. And the Lord had reminded me. That if, if I stay in obedience and I stay seeking the Lord, the devil will have no access to my life. That we give access to the devil in our life when we choose to sin, when we choose to, to listen to false teaching. It's not the false teaching will go to the pit of hell if they don't repent in the lake of fire. But it's up to us to stay from the false teaching, come into a life that will open the door to the devil. The Lord has been very clear to me. There have been several occasions that I have gone on YouTube and have listened to a false teaching. And the Lord has said to me, I told you not to listen to false teaching. You make the choice to go listen to this, you open up yourself to be attacked. Very clear, brothers and sisters. And this is the message I try to convey to each one of my brothers. Praise the Lord. We make the choice to listen to false teaching or anyone that is not of God. This is why we check with the Lord who is of God. We may make the mistake not to know who is of God sometimes. If people come with sweet words, with sweet Bible verses, trying to convince us and they are not of God, and sometimes we pay attention to it, brothers and sisters, but we need to repent even for that. Thank you, Lord. But Jesus said, my son, if you're not sure about someone that comes to you, praise the Lord. If you're not sure about someone that comes to you, ask me, he says to me. Ask me about him, and I will tell you whom they are. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why I have stayed away from so many people in my walk, in my preaching here on the Lord's Tower. I have stayed away from so many people. So they, they, they come with beautiful message and beautiful words, but I always check with the Lord. Not always. Sometimes I have not. And that has been my own mistake, brothers and sisters. We have to always check with the Lord about anyone or anyone. Brothers and sisters, even with my brothers and sisters, I had checked with the Lord. And the Lord had, when I met Sister Carla, I'll give you an example. I checked with the Lord whether she was a God or not. Praise the Lord. Everyone that I have met, I checked with the Lord, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. And then the Lord had told me, yes, they're mine. Yes, she mine. Praise the Lord. Always checking to be sure is very important. And she can be such a nice person, but if the Lord tells me she's not of the Lord, then I'll stay away from her. But because the Lord told me she was, I can talk to her. You see, brothers and sisters, praise the Lord. And even when you meet people that are of God, they can have false teaching contaminate your life, brothers and sisters. Then you check with the Lord. 
the Lord can say, yeah, that person is mine. And then, Lord, does, does she have or does he have false teaching? And then the Lord says, yes, be careful then. Be careful. It's always checking with the Lord. Amen. Yes, I did, bro, sister. Oh, brother, yes. It's, it's very important, brothers and sisters. We check with the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Because you can know someone that is of God. The Lord can say, yes, she's mine. Yes, he's mine. Now, Lord, does she or he has false teaching? And if the Lord say yes, then you have to be careful about that false teaching because that can contaminate your life. This is another discernment that you need to use according to the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Very important. Very, very important. Thank you, Lord. And you don't need to doubt if you are God. If you know you are God, you know you are God. I'm not telling you not to doubt. Now people are asking me, am I a God? You know if you are God. You don't need to doubt that. Praise the Lord. I know I'm a God. I don't go around telling people I'm a God. I know I am. And people can go to the Lord. You see, I don't need to ask people, am I a God? Am I really a God? Because I know I am. Brothers and sisters, when you're sure of your salvation, you need, you're sure you're walking with Christ, you don't need to be afraid. That's how some people say. You can ask the Lord about me, brother. I'm sure I'm of God. And when I ask the Lord, the Lord say, yes, she's my servant or he's my servant. You see, you don't need to say, am I of God? Have you asked God if I'm my God? You don't need to ask that. If you know you're of God, you, you cannot have that fear inside you. You never, never walk on the fear. Walk on the faith. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. And I have people write to me. I'm not sure if you are God. And I said, well, uh, if you're not sure I'm a God, pray to the Lord. Please seek the Lord for it before we even say anything, before we even talk, before we even email each other. Just go to the Lord and ask the Lord if I'm a God. Praise the Lord. I had a brother that I was talking to, and his pastor that has over 30 years of experience been taking to heaven and all that, the, uh, he talked to the pastor about me. And the pastor said, listen, I've been taken to heaven and all that. A lot of people down here are not of God. The pastor says, hey, be careful without obvious of God. Hallelujah. Be careful, the pastor said to him. Be careful without obvious of God. You got to be careful. There's a lot of preachers there that are false preachers around the world. Thank you, Lord. And then Jesus told him face to face, yes, he's my son. He's my servant. He's preaching my word. He's like, praise the Lord. And that's it. That's all you need. All you need, praise the Lord. You don't need to be afraid of your God. Don't, don't have that fear in you. If you know you're a God, walk in peace. Walk in peace. And when someone questions whether you are a God, send them to the Lord. Say, go to the Lord. Ask the Lord if I'm a God. Let the Lord tell you. If the Lord tells you I'm not a God, then listen to the Lord. Stay away from me then. Because <laughs> I know he's not going to tell you. But you tell him that. So you know you trust the Lord. If the Lord tells you that I'm not a God, stay away from me then. Don't listen to me. Don't follow my teaching. But because I know I'm a God, praise the Lord. I know he's going to confirm it to you. Praise the Lord. We need to be sure of our salvation, brothers and sisters. Praise I don't. I don't want to sound prideful to people. Because pride, no way. We don't want pride in our heart. If there's any pride, we need to repent our pride, brothers and sisters. It is just because there's a lot of question of people out there. And so we send them to the Lord. You don't need to argue. You don't need to fight. Don't lose your peace of the Lord in your life, brothers and sisters. Don't get in an argument with anybody. Oh, the message the Lord gave me is of God. Okay, let the Lord confirm it to them. Don't get into an argument with people. Praise the Lord. 
Praise you, God. I had a pastor with a large church that called me over the phone. Someone gave him my phone. He he listened to one of my messages, very anointed. He said, uh, "This is by this time I was traveling to different churches, and this was last year, and the pastor called me on my phone and said, hey, you know, I don't know you. Someone just told me about you. I haven't taken the time to find out who you are and all that. Yeah, I want you to come to my church. I want you to travel and all that. Praise the Lord. And I want to make sure that you're of God and all that. And, and I said, well, Pastor, before anything, before we, we make any appointment, before you want me to come to your church and praise the Lord, anything, please, this is what I want you to do. Go to the Lord and pray and seek the Lord, whether I am our God first. You need to know this from the Lord so you can have peace about it. And while we were talking, the Lord confirmed it to his heart. And then he said, no, no, I want you to come. I, I can tell you of God. Praise the Lord. I want you to come. And I said, okay, uh, the travel is a long travel for me to travel pray, or flight. Praise the Lord. We want to make sure. We said, what about I work with a large organization. I want to make sure they know you. I can tell you of God. But, and I said, listen, just get together with them and, and, and pray about it. Seek the Lord and and, and see if I am, if God will confirm it to them too and all that. Praise the Lord. But you see, I did everything in peace. I said, you got my number. God bless you. Take care. Praise the Lord and goodbye. I don't have to get an argument. I don't have to lose my peace. He don't have to lose his peace. It's all about us, brothers and sisters. Always seeking the Lord, direction for everything. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because the Lord will confirm anything. If something is of God, Praise you, Lord. God God will confirm and God will do it for his glory because we are his servant. He was the one that called us. He chosen us before the foundation of the earth. What do we need to be afraid for? If we are chosen before the foundation of the earth, we have been elected, selected by the Lord, chosen to be with him in eternity. Why do we need to be afraid? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. No. Brothers and sisters, we walk in peace. We walk in peace. And it was so funny because the person that invited him was one of the ministers that saw a great miracle when they invited us to his church. People were baptized. People were healed. The power of God was tremendous. And this minister called his other minister and said, oh, you, oh, you got to invite this, brother. The service we have, my goodness, all the people that got healed and saved and, and delivered and and. and, and Man, people got baptized and all. You got to, we got to bring this man to your church. It was powerful what we experienced on Sunday when he was in our church. Praise the Lord. You see, but it was him that told him that. And then he called me, and then he says, well, I don't know you. And all that. I said, but then seek the Lord. Praise you, God. Because yeah, we got, I got also a lot of people saying, then the Lord says that in my name, that will cast out demons, that will do this, and that will do that. And, and then and why are you saying that to me? If you don't think I'm a God, you seek the Lord. You don't need to quote me that Bible verse because you're telling me that maybe the Lord is using me to cast out demons, to baptize people, to heal people, to save people. But then I'm just doing it because I'm using his name. Then they're telling me that because I'm using his name. And then I'm laughing. I don't seek the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know what you mean. I know what you quoted me. Matthew 7, praise the Lord. But you need to seek the Lord about it. And make sure it's the Lord leading you, praise the Lord. And, and, and even one of the pastors that I knew, the Lord spoke to him directly. Praise the Lord. I told him a word. I, I told him something, praise the Lord. And a few days went by, and the Lord had spoken to him and said, call him. 
call him right away. I want you to call him and give this to him. I want you to do this right away. And he was contacting me because he loved my number and contacted his brother, the sister. Hey, you know that old phone? You know I need to get a hold of him and all that. And then I didn't know the urgency because I thought he had my number. And the pastor said, no, it was because the Lord spoke to me to call you and give you this. Praise the Lord. And he, he told me to do this right away. And, and it was such an urgency. I don't want to be disobedient. He said to me, the pastor met me and, and said, I don't, want, I don't want to be disobedient. I have to give you this. Praise because the Lord told him. The Lord, he said, the Lord spoke to me clearly and said, you give this to my servant. He's my servant. Give him this. this. And, and then he was like, he couldn't sleep. He said, I couldn't sleep. I'm nervous. I'm shaking. You know, I got. I have. I have to get a hold of you because the Lord spoke to me. It was so powerful. His audible voice came upon my life. And it's been only a few times that God has spoken to me this way. And he told me, you give this to my servant. You get a hold of him. And somehow the devil makes the phone, the phone number that I lost from you. And I could not get a hold. And I'm contacting these people that knew you to get a hold of you. Praise the Lord. And people emailing me, different people emailing me. And I'm like, what is the emergency? Okay, praise the Lord. And I, I come here almost when I'm preaching here, let's say Sunday or Monday, and then people contact me, and I'm on the microphone. I just had someone writing to me while I went. I'm going on the microphone like, okay, uh, they know I'm on the Lord's Tower this time. Praise the Lord now. They contacted me. And I, and I told my wife, unless I'm in an emergency on the radio, please, uh, I need to be on the radio sharing the word. I cannot be distracted with anything else. Yes, people calling me on the phone, emailing me. No. Praise the Lord. Even my mother respects that, that when I'm sharing the, the word of the Lord, she, she doesn't call me at that hour. She knows. She respects that. Praise the Lord. So every emergency, that's why we have a 911. Praise the Lord. Because the word in this time is an emergency. Life needs to be healed. People need to be saved. People need to hear about Jesus now more than ever, brothers and sisters. This is a time when the word of God is becoming an emergency, a 911 word of God right now. That's why we cannot be quiet. So I tell the people, go on Facebook, go on YouTube, share the word. Just share the word. It's a 911. And I, I'm surprised because some, some of the people sharing the word on YouTube are coming to me and, and saying, look, how people getting saved. Look, people on Facebook, they get touched by God. They come to the Lord. If at least one so a week or a day gets saved on YouTube or your Facebook, you're, you're working for the kingdom and you're winning soul. In him, Proverbs said that win soul is wise. Be wise, my brothers and sisters. Win soul. And don't be shy about it. Just win them. Win them for Christ. There's many going to hell that anybody programmed. There's been over a thousand souls that went to hell. Does anyone care? Does anyone care that any soul went to hell? We need to care that they go to heaven, brothers and sisters. That's what we need to care about. Thank you, Lord. The Lord said, yes, true, my son. Praise the Lord. Does anyone care of how many are going to heaven? It's very important, brothers and sisters, that we continue to preach the message for souls to be saved. Praise the Lord. You won't believe the people that contact me, that hear the message and get touched by the Lord, and, and they're crying, crying as they hear the message, and they're contacting me through the email. Praise the Lord. I just heard the message. My goodness. I, the line of the Lord is coming, and they're crying. Praise the Lord. They're giving their life to the Lord or reconciling themselves with the Lord because the Lord is calling people now more than ever. That's why when you come on the radio to share the word, do it with all your heart. Know that they're so hungry. Don't delay the word. 
Don't hold back the word. Share the word. Give freely when you have freely received. I come on the radio even if it's only one person on the radio. I will not hold back the message because there's only one person in the chat room. No way. Because this message is going to go on the Internet and people are going to be saved. And that's what's important. Praise the Lord. We may just have right now 112, 120 people on Black Talk Radio, or maybe more. Praise the Lord. But there's thousands that's going to listen to it on YouTube, brothers and sisters. And, and you have a Facebook page, you can promote it. You can promote it even on, even on your YouTube page, brothers and sisters. Promote the message, and people will be saved. People will be touched by God. And when that happens, you just, you just participated in um, someone's salvation, and you get a reward for that. Everything you do for someone to come to Jesus, you, you'll get a reward in heaven. And the time for the reward is coming soon because the rapture, the departure is about to begin. It's about to come, brothers and sisters. Focus on the need. Don't focus on the multitude. Focus on the need that people have. Thank you, Lord. That's what's important. Amen there, brother, body, and sister Carla. That's what's important, that we share the word and we let the Lord work in their life. Thank you, Lord. Shalom there, Lee Crystal. That's what's important, that we share the word. And when we share the word, the Lord touches people's heart to come to him. They come repentant to him. They give the life to him, and he gives them eternal life, a free gift from God. That's what's important, and that's what we need to focus on, Jesus. And ask the Lord that more so come to him. We pray. You know, as you pray, before you even come on the Lord's hour to preach, pray that the Lord will touch people, even after. Don't just pray that he will touch on life. No, pray that he will touch them even after. That the message will be anointed even later. Then I show you the, the, the message of someone that, that God baptized in tongues from a message from, last, from the year or two before. We had a healing message like two years ago, and the sister went on, and she she been asking the Lord to baptize her in tongues. She put on the healing message. She didn't know how she went on the Lord's Tower, click on and wonder the, the, the archive message. Hallelujah. And when she clicked on the one of the archive message, she listened to the, to, we were praying for people to be baptized, and she gets baptized in tongues. She's speaking in tongues now. Oh, and she's rejoicing and Man, so she says it's so powerful. I can feel the power, the fire of God, and she's contacting me. So I'm like, oh, this message is incredible. This message is life. Is this message life? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, sister. What message are you referring to? Because she, she, she's emailing me, and she's telling me how glorious the message is, how the power of God is out on her life now, and she's speaking in time. She's writing to me, and like, man, I just got baptized. Oh, this is glorious. This message is so powerful. What message are you referring to? And when she started looking at the day and comparing it, she just noticed that the message been almost three years old. Right? As I'm looking at the message now, I'm looking at the day. That was two years ago. She's like, oh, my goodness. A service that happened two years ago, and God just baptized her tongue. How do you like that? You see that the word never gets old. That's what people don't understand about the word of God. The word of God never gets old. It's always fresh when you believe. When you believe the word, it's always fresh in your spirit, brothers and sisters. This is what people, many people fail to understand. The word of God is scripture a thousand years, his promise are. 
when you hear that word right there, she heard that word. She thought it was right now, but to her it was a right now now. It happened two years ago, but it was a word for right now for her and her spirit. She believed it, she received it, and she got baptized. Thank you, Lord. And then one, one that service, two people, two, a day after, two more people got baptized in tongue too, a brother and a sister. Praise you, Lord. You see, the message doesn't get old. This is what people don't understand. Sometimes they say, are you live? When is this message from, they say. And I'm like, what does it matter? The word of God is alive. The word of God is new always. It's just when you receive it and you believe it and it goes into your heart. That's when God does the word. Praise your Lord. We have seen this. I've seen this so many times with people. Praise your Lord. And then when I hear people, whether it's alive, I'm like, the word of God is alive. That's what matters, that his word is alive. Open your heart to receive the word and watch what God will do. Maybe you missed something. In that last message we had, maybe there was something you missed. There were so many things we talked about. Maybe there was something you missed. If you open your heart to the word, boom, something happens to you. You'll receive a gift. You'll receive something from God. God will prepare your heart and life for something. Praise you, Lord, because you missed the last time. But the word is still there alive. Thank you, Lord. We, we need to walk by faith. And walking by faith is an everyday thing. When you when you talk about the word of God, believe that it's fresh. Believe that it's alive always. Expect God to do something in your life with the word every day. Just expect it. Work it walk in that expectancy. Someone was telling me, walk in that expectancy of God. Believing and knowing that God is going to do something today in your life. Pastor John told me, who is in heaven? I share this because a lot of people don't know that Pastor John had a pastor, and his pastor had a pastor that worked with Jesus and were being taken to heaven almost every day. One of the pastors, the first pastor we know, the pastor John knew, before his pastor, the Lord took him to heaven early in early age. He was walking with Jesus, brothers and sisters, every day. And, and, and Jesus was taking him to heaven almost every day, too. And he, he was seeing all these things to heaven. The Lord would just take him to heaven. And the Lord grew great church, saved many people through him, and built churches through this man of God. That pastor, then God raised another man through him, and God began to do the same thing with him. Hallelujah. God began to use him to save people and build churches, and God was taking him to heaven every week. And and that was the pastor where, where Pastor John came to the Lord. He came he came to evangelize the community that day. He was evangelizing the community. Pastor John was in his house, and this pastor came by and said, Do you know the Lord? And and Pastor John was nothing, he was not going to church or anything. And the pastor said, Let me tell you about Jesus. And he began to share the word with him. And this man was so anointed, says Pastor John that he began to, to cry, and he said, you should give your life to the Lord. And as Pastor John gave his life to the Lord and the Lord touched his family, he says, in this house you have today, the Lord wa- wants me to begin a church here. He wants me to begin a church here. In Pastor John's house, there he began to work for the Lord, and the church grew to up to 400 people. When they were having service, part of the house was filled. 
in the outside in front of the house, people were standing to hear the message from this man that was being taken to heaven all the time. He was bringing word and message from heaven, sharing from, from the Lord, from the angel, for everything that was going on in heaven, he would bring down as the Lord was taking him to share what was going on. From there came Pastor John out of heaven. All these experiences of these trips to heaven and all that helped Pastor John to really to know Jesus. And this man, brothers and sisters, I didn't know these other three men that they told me about. But here, here's how it is, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you how it is in the Lord. When you tell the truth, the Lord will confirm it to you. When I asked the Lord to take me to see Pastor John, when Pastor John passed away in 2008, he was, he was a truly anointed pastor. We sat down with the Bible, and he shared with me at that time. In 2006, 2007, I spent two, three years with Pastor John almost. And I tell you this, he knew the word incredibly. He knew the word. He knew the chapter. He knew every verse. And, and, and the revelation of the word he had, I never heard. I never heard any other man of God with such a revelation he had, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. The Lord has given him tremendous revelation, and the Lord would speak to him every day. I didn't know of any man back then that the Lord would speak to them every day, brothers and sisters. That was Pastor John. That's why I tell you, he had a tremendous relationship with Jesus. The, the week before Jesus took him home, Jesus visited him. Early in the morning, he saw Jesus coming into his room, and Jesus said to Pastor John, my servant, you, this is your last week on earth. Prepare your household and tell my servant Elvie and his family that I'm bringing you home next Sunday morning. You're coming home with me to heaven. Praise the Lord. Pastor John, that week, in our last Bible study, which was Thursday, he worked all that week. And told his daughter that week, that the Lord told him that that week he was going home to heaven. He was only 52 years old, 50 years old, or 55, I'm sorry, years old. He was young. He was young. But so John uh, told his daughter that God was taking him home. And, and, and Pastor John, the Lord told him to tell me and my family. That Thursday, Pastor John, we went to the church as we used to. And Pastor John sat with us as the church member left and said, Brother Elvie, I need something to tell you very important. Jesus visited me in person. I saw him, and he told me, you're coming home next Sunday morning. And Pastor John, there's no one else that I would like to spend my time with my family and you, Elvie, and your family. It's a family that I love here so much. I have said goodbye to the rest of the people, but I, I want to go home with Jesus. And before he does, and I said, and I'm looking at him. I said, Pastor John, how this is going to go about? You, I mean, you look healthy. You go to work every day. You drive your car. You know, I mean, we're in Massachusetts. We're talking about is him going home. I said, Pastor John, how is this going to happen? He said, simple, Brother Elvie. The Lord is going to come into the room. He's going to touch my heart. And as soon as he's touched my heart, he takes me home right after that. That simple is to God. Pastor John, tell me. Praise the Lord. We spent the last week together. Sunday morning, Jesus came. Jesus was in the room, and he says, uh, Pastor John, before Jesus touched his heart, he says to, to, to his daughter, his true daughter, please 
don't be worried about me. I'm going to be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'll be praying for you. I'll be watching over you. The Lord is going to take care of you. I won't be here with you no more because I'm going home. In a few minutes, I'm going to be on the floor. Do not worry. Do not be scared because Jesus is taking me home. I want you to call 911 and call the ambulance to come and get my body because I'm going to be taken home in a few minutes. Praise the Lord. He, he told his older daughter, I'm going to lay down on the floor, call 911 to take my body to the hospital. Praise the Lord. And Jesus touched his heart, his body, he was laying down, he went home to be with Jesus. When they called me and, 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 I, and the people were calling around, I went to the hospital to see Pastor John Body. We asked the doctor, how did it happen? And the doctor said to us, when they did the autopsy and all that, they told us later on that what happened was his heart stopped, and that was it. His heart just stopped. They cannot even conclude that he had a heart attack, brothers and sisters, because it was not so. Their evidence that doctor looks up on, on a heart attack, he did not have those, we said, those aftershocks, like when an earthquake happened. There's aftershocks, there's so many things that happen. Or, or they're, they're like a preparation. I forget the word that is used. But brothers and sisters, um, the evidence of a heart attack was not there. And the only thing they concluded was that his heart just stopped. Just stopped. Exactly what Pastor John told me when he was alive that the Lord was going to do for him, brothers and sisters. And the Lord took him home, took him home. When, when the Lord took Pastor John home, the Lord was already taking me to heaven almost every week. I said, Lord, praise the Lord, would you give me the privilege to go see Pastor John in heaven and see his house, his mansion? Praise the Lord. And I, I wanted to see how he looked in his new body, in his glorified body. One night, the Lord comes and takes me to heaven and, 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 and leads me right in front of Pastor John's home. I knew in heaven that was his, his mansion, his home. And I began to walk to the front door, the main door, into his house. Somehow, I don't know why, but the front door was open. There's no teeth in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that. If they are, they're already repented. They're not doing it no more. They're not in business in heaven. And so, brothers and sisters, I walked to the front door, and in the middle of the home, beautiful home, I can see the light of God coming through the home, through the ceiling of the home. There was like a chandelier lamp in the middle of the house, in the middle of the living room. Pastor John liked houses just like the one I saw in heaven down here. His house was so This is the way he liked them to be. And God knew his heart, and God gave him a house exactly how he liked the house. And so I walk into the house. I see Pastor John. Listen to this. Pastor John will salute me like nobody else I know, brothers and sisters. He will give me a heart. And, and, and touch my left shoulder in a special way. He would, t- he would just do that on earth. God is so awesome. And when I walk into his living room, I go to give Pastor John a hug, and he went and touched my left shoulder after giving me a hug and looked at me and laughed. And he says, do you like my house, Elvi? And I say, yes, Pastor John. We miss you so much, Pastor John. And he said, look, look at my house. Look what God has given me. After I looked at his house, I went into the kitchen. I looked around, similar to what we have on earth, but it's a heavenly home. 
and much better and much beautiful looking. And at this time, you know, people were crying so much and heard and all that for Pastor John. This was a month after he was dead, and I'm visiting him in heaven. And Pastor John says, how are my daughter, my two daughters? And he named them. I, I knew the name exactly. Uh, one of his name is Hannah and Ellie. One name is Hannah and the other one is Ellie. How is Hannah and Ellie? Praise the Lord. And he said, the Lord shows me to me how they're doing. I know he's taking care of them, the Lord says to me. He says uh, that the Lord told him, they're fine, Pastor John, with the mother. Praise the Lord. Before he went home that week, he says, keep an eye on Hannah and Ellie, he says to me. And I said, yes, Pastor John. And so I'm looking at his house and all that. He began to talk to me about the church. He said, continue to preach the message to them, the word of the Lord. Continue to preach the word of God to them. Continue to preach the, the word, he said. Keep working for God, he told me. Keep working for the Lord. There will be a reward for you. Thank you, Lord. I said, yes, Pastor John. I was so sad to have this best friend of mine, brothers and sisters, go home so early. Praise you, Lord. We, we have such a great friendship in the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I, I was really sad. But it, it gave me joy that he was with the Lord now. And another trip right after that, the Lord takes me to heaven again. And this time I see Pastor John in the park in heaven. And in the park I saw Pastor John in heaven. He, I saw him with two young men. And the young man that Pastor John was in the park in heaven was the pastors, the three pastors that he told me about on earth, that Jesus used to take them to heaven all the time. They all three waved on me. Pastor John says, Brother Elsie. And Pastor John with them, they all waved at me. And they were surprised that the Lord took them to heaven. I was, I was seeing them, praise the Lord. But Pastor John was kind of telling me, he, he's my friend. Oh, he's my friend, no, Lord. And they were, they were so surprised looking at me that Jesus had taken them to heaven. But there was the three pastor friends that, that he told me on earth that, that, that the Lord had taken to heaven. And the guy had used them mightily. And I, I met them in heaven. I met them in heaven. Isn't that incredible, brothers and sisters, that you can meet people in heaven that you knew on earth and talk about the Lord with them? That is incredible. I, I, I was so thankful to, for that privilege of the Lord that he gave me, brothers and sisters, to see these men of God in heaven. Now the Lord, how the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, the Lord blesses those that obey him. And keep his commandment. Those that seek of me and repent daily, that, that remain in that relationship with the Lord as he promised eternal life, it is true. You don't need to doubt the Lord or his word. His promises are true, brothers and sisters. I've seen that. I told you about my dear sister, two Thomas, up there. I saw two Thomas in, in front of the throne of the Father with Jesus. Praise the Lord. All she wanted to be was with Jesus. She's up there that serve the Lord faithfully down here. But they suffer. They suffer, brothers and sisters. They suffer much. Don't you think you're not going to suffer? I heard Sister Barbara, on one of the videos that, that her, her, her husband, Dan, and her just made, her in the hospital, and how much she suffered. She started talking about suffering, and it touched my heart so much when she was talking about suffering. Brothers and sisters, suffering is part of our walk. She mentioned how Jesus suffered on earth. Although being the son of God, 
before we any of us enter heaven, we need to suffer one way or another. Do not reject your suffering. Do not refuse your suffering. Understand that your suffering is part of what's going to help you to get to heaven. Thank you, Lord. I remember Brother Larry shared one time how he how when he was talking to the to the Lord, he said he was wondering if it, if his mother was saved or if his mother was in heaven. And he was talking to the Lord and he says, Lord, my mother suffered so much, Lord. She was sick and bad. And she was such a horrible pain for so many years. I think it was over thirty or forty years. She was in suffering and in pain. And the Lord says to Brother Larry, my son, that suffering helped your mother to get into heaven. With much suffering, that's the way it is, that you're going to get into heaven. The Lord says to him, say, Lord, but, if, you know, Lord, she suffered so much. Yes, my son. Many of my surf- servants have suffered much to enter heaven. It's what my father requires of each one of you. I suffer. Didn't I suffer? So yes, Lord. You see? And Brother Larry shared with me. I said, oh, Larry, that is incredible. Praise the Lord. Suffering. The Lord God told him about suffering, the importance of our suffering, that a lot of the suffering we're going through down here is part of the things that are going to help us get into heaven. After we receive Christ, after we give our life to the Lord, and we're praying, we're repenting daily, and we're seeking the Lord, there's also suffering in all that, in our life and everything that we're going through. But know that God is allowing that suffering because it's going to help us to get to heaven, brothers and sisters. Don't be ashamed of your suffering. Don't be ashamed of the things you're going through. Through them when the prophet, the apostle, Jesus himself, and if they did that to the Lord, how much would they do to you and I, brothers and sisters? How much more? Praise the Lord. We, we, none of us, even through all our suffering, will even suffer where how Jesus suffered, brothers and sisters. Even carrying the cross, he will be in punch and, and spit out of uh, him. How many make fun of him? How many make fun of Jesus and, and laugh at him and mock him? Brothers and sisters. And call him as the devil, being used by the devil, they say. They say so much about Jesus. He suffered all the way through. Even carrying the cross still was suffering for everything else. He was being beaten all the time, carrying the cross. There was no mercy. There seems to be no mercy. But it was glorious what God asked for him. Look at the privilege. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is, he is enjoying that glorious every second or less. For every second, that glorious Father is going through him. He is enjoying the glory that he has with Father even more now because of the suffering he went through. You want to enjoy what God has for you? Do not give up and continue in your suffering. Continue to hold on to Jesus. And know that your suffering is part of your crown. Your suffering is part of your crown. Your suffering is what's going to help you to have a great crown in heaven. There are many pearls in your crown. There are many pearls that are going to be in our crown. Part of our suffering and everything else. Hallelujah. Yes, that is so true. Thank you, Lord. And be all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. 
will be persecuted. Oh, yes, persecution is coming. And it's going to get, I talked to you about suffering today or tonight because we will have to endure much suffering very soon for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The apostle Paul says to the Roman in 5.3, neither that neither only but also we rejoice in tribulation, knowing that the tribulation bringeth forth patience. Thank you, Lord. There's much tribulation we're going to go through very soon. Not the great tribulation, though. Not the great tribulation. Hallelujah. For, for To you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. There you go. Thank you, Sister Carla. We are going to suffer for his sake. That's the way Father God wants it. Because there's great blessing that will come after Hallelujah. He says also, 2 Corinthians 1, 5, 4, As the suffering of Christ bound in us, so our consolation abounded through Christ. Our consolation is going to be abounded through Christ. It's going to be much more, brothers and sisters, much more for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1, 7, As for the hope is steadfast concerning you, as much as we know, as ye partaken of the suffering, as should ye be also of the consolation of Paul. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians six by watching, by fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and faith. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Process of the Ephesians four two. We're all humbleness of mind and meekness, we're long suffering, supporting one another through love. This is how we support one another, through love, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Much more suffering is coming. Hallelujah. But it's going to be short. It's going to be quick. But it's going to be much. I, tell you, I don't tell you it's not going to be much. Hallelujah. Colossians one twenty four. Now rejoice. I am my suffering for you. Fulfill the rest of the affliction of Christ in my place for his body's sake, which is the church. For the apostles suffer because of the church. They suffer because of you and I. Thank you, Lord. That's the way it is. They suffer. We all have to suffer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Second Timothy 2.24, But the servant of the Lord must not strive. For today's prophecy update, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm going to address the prophetic significance of the start to our new year in just the first 10 days of 2016. <laughs> Needless to say, it's been a very busy start to a very interesting year prophetically, and there's a lot of moving parts. So what I'd like to do is try to sort through them uh, in order to have a better understanding of them to kind of get a handle on everything that is now taking place. I'm going to begin with what happened starting with last Sunday, and in so doing I'll attempt to connect the dots, as it were, with prophecy in Scripture. While this has been gaining traction for many years now, last Sunday 
The Jerusalem Post reported that the Vatican's recognition of a Palestinian state has now come into effect. No surprises here. Uh, However, this is huge. I'm of the belief that this clearly paves the way for increasing pressure on Israel to divide Jerusalem, her eternal capital, which, like never before, is becoming the intoxicating obsession of the entire world. This is Zechariah chapter 12. And by the way, I watched a documentary. I don't recommend it. Um, but they, they painted Benjamin Netanyahu in a very unfavorable light. And they painted President Obama in a very favorable light. And it was shameful. But it was documenting and going back to when Ehud Barak was prime minister and they had the Camp David Accord with then President Bill Clinton. And Ehud Barak, because of the pressure from Clinton, gave Arafat Jerusalem. He was willing to put Jerusalem on the table. And you know what happened? Oh, you won't hear about this. He refused. They don't want East Jerusalem. They don't want a divided Jerusalem. They want Jerusalem. They don't want peace with Israel. They don't want to live side by side with Israel. They want Israel wiped off the map. And it all centers on Jerusalem. The city, by the way, that I believe God literally put his name of ownership on. And we've talked about that as well. Zechariah 12, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem, now listen to the verbiage here, a very heavy stone, boundary stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away, divide it away, cut it to pieces, will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. And by the way, when all the nations of the earth, as they really are now, are against Israel, Israel will turn to their true Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And that is actually the purpose of the seven-year tribulation. It's for the salvation of the Jewish nation. This is prophetically significant, and it bears watching in the months ahead. Well, that was Sunday. Let's go to Monday. In this Washington Post article titled, Mideast tensions soar as Saudi Arabia rallies countries to cut ties with Iran. I don't think that the seriousness of this can be uh, overstated. The Jerusalem Post also on Monday 
published this most interesting report that China fear China we'll talk more about China in a moment fears a regional conflict as Saudi Arabia cuts ties with Iran let me quote from the article like the international community China is highly concerned about the developments and expresses concern that the relevant event may intensify conflict in the region. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Hua Chunying told a regular news briefing referring to the escalation in tension, saying, quote, We hope the relevant parties can maintain calm and restraint properly resolve their differences through dialogue and consultation and jointly safeguard regional, listen, peace and stability. Peace and stability. Well, this intensifying conflict points to no less than two prophecies, one of which, of course, is found in Ezekiel chapter 38, specifically verse 13 concerning Saudi Arabia. It says Sheba and Dedan, which is the ancient area we know as the Arabian Peninsula, which was given to the house of Saud, Ibn Saud, the Saudis, not the Wahhabis, which is why it's called Saudi Arabia. Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, speaking of this Russian-Iranian-led alliance of nations who launched a nuclear attack against Israel, have you come to take a plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? In other words... Saudi Arabia is not only not in this alliance of nations, they are actually against this alliance of nations, which is why they protest this alliance of nations going to take a plunder, to take a spoil, which many Bible scholars believe, and prophecy teachers, present company included, it's speaking of the oil and natural gas, which I believe personally is the hook that God says he will put in the jaw that will bring them to attack Israel. You know, this is why Putin is doing what he's doing. Watch out for this guy, by the way. I know that he's quite popular now. Talk about a man's man. But he's a polar bear. And if you ever take anything from a polar bear, they will, to their death, hunt you down to your death. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. This is the bear of Russia that we see in Vladimir Putin. The second prophecy that comes to mind in addition to Ezekiel 38 concerning this intensifying conflict is what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. You know it well. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 While people are saying there is peace and security, peace and safety, peace and stability, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Notice the they. We are not the they. Those who are born again of the Spirit of God will escape. I believe in the rapture 
and they will not escape. And this will come while they are say, at the time that they are saying peace and security. This actually ties in to what happened on Tuesday. Reuters News reported with the headline, North Korea nuclear test, a wake-up call for the world. North Korea said it had successfully conducted a test of a miniaturized hydrogen nuclear device which would mark a significant advance in the isolated state's technological capability. Lassina Zerbo, head of the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization, stated that this act, listen, constitutes a breach of the universally accepted norm against nuclear testing, and it does. It is also a grave threat to international peace and security. A couple thoughts on the significance of North Korea, the first of which has to do with the connection to Iran and Iran's nuclear program. Town Hall editor and Fox News contributor Katie Pavlich said uh, in a tweet, reminder, Wendy Sherman, the woman who negotiated North Korea's nuclear program, is the same woman who negotiated the recent Iran deal. Sleep tight. Oh, she doesn't say sleep tight. I, was, I, I added that <laughs> for effects. <laughs> so, Happy New Year. Have a nice uh, afternoon. The second thought is that it's important to understand there's a common denominator between North Korea and Iran, and it's that they both seek the nuclear destruction of America. Make no mistake about it. It's also important to note that in the book of Revelation, we have mention of an army from the east that marches towards Israel vis-a-vis the dried-up Euphrates, which, by the way, <laughs> the Euphrates is drying up as we speak. And they also not only seek the destruction of America, but chiefly the destruction of Israel. And some suggest that this army includes the likes of both China and North Korea, actually China will be at the helm like Russia and Iran from the north. China will be at the helm from the east. And we see this in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. Uh, let's fast forward to Thursday. Very busy week. Um, I lost a lot of sleep this last week. Very busy. Um, speaking of China, uh, CNN Money reported that the Dow had its worst four-day start to a year on record. Other news sources had headlines reading, worst beginning to a year ever in history. This is the worst stock market start to the year. Let me quote the report. The global market freakout of 2016 just got worse. The latest scare came on Thursday as China's stock market crashed 7% overnight and crude oil plummeted to the lowest level in more than 12 years. Most of the blame goes to China, which is believed to be the biggest threat to U.S. stocks this year. China's stock market is in complete disarray. This is the second largest economy in the world. For the second time in four days, trading was suspended 
under new circuit breaker rules unveiled this week. I read an article this morning when I got up. Uh, all eyes are on tomorrow when the U.S. stock market opens. Um, listen, we've addressed the crashing of global markets in the past, so I'm just going to simply say that this is exactly what the book of Revelation says will happen in Revelation chapter 13 and also in Revelation chapter 6. And both are describing what will take place during the seven-year tribulation. I want to spend some time on this next one, which I, I'm sure you heard about. Uh, you know that anger I was talking about in uh, 1 Corinthians? <laughs> well, Friday... I actually watched this uh, press conference uh, live, and I didn't take my blood pressure afterwards because it would have been not good. You heard about this uh, Muslim man who uh, tried to murder a police officer in Philadelphia? Uh, I don't know if you saw the video. They, they didn't actually show the video. They showed still photos, but you, you got the idea. Uh, a Muslim man uh, dressed up in a Muslim uh, robe uh, takes a gun and goes to a police officer who's in his car by himself and sticks the gun and starts shooting him, and miraculously, he survives. Miraculously, he survives. Uh, the police chief, I believe, is a Christian because he said he dared to say, by the grace of God, it was a miracle that he survived this. And he even get the police officer gets out of the car as this Muslim man flees, and he starts shooting him and wounds him, and they're able to apprehend him. Meanwhile, he has severe injuries in his arm. There's nerve damage. He'll undergo many, many surgeries yet future. But he survived. Now, of course, they have the press conference. They always bring in the mayor. They bring in the police department, and they answer questions. And I was watching with keen interest because it was reported that this man had swore allegiance to the Islamic State. And moreover, that he wanted to murder this man in the name of Allah, in the name of Islam, because law enforcement represents a contrary view to Sharia law. This is an enforcer of law that is contrary to Islamic Sharia law. And this is why, by the way, they are going after police officers. Because they do not adhere to Sharia law. So this was clearly, by any stretch of the imagination... An Islamic terrorist attack. Now you would think that normal, sane, reasonable human beings 
would understand that and acknowledge that. But they didn't. At least not the mayor. Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney, a Democrat, who was sworn into office Monday. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Said, Archer, the name of the Muslim man, terrorist, did, quote, not represent Islam. And he denounced the attacker's invocation of the faith saying, quote, this is a criminal with a stolen gun who tried to kill one of our officers. This has nothing to do with being a Muslim or following the Islamic faith. Now, do you understand why I ask God to help me with my anger? Joe Rosenberg tweeted, what in the world is the mayor of Philadelphia talking about? Last night, Fox News Channel's Judge Janine, who, by the way, is of Lebanese descent. I like her. <laughs> she rhetorically asks if this mayor is stupid. <laughs> no. And by the way, for those of you who are thinking, you know, pastor, that's not very pastoral. Uh, stupid is in the Proverbs. It's in the Bible. Stupid. So for those of you, I, I, don't email me. Stupid is a bad word. It's in the Bible. She, she just, in her opening statement, says, are you stupid or what? <laughs> that's a fair question. She, I, this is why I really like it. Maybe this is a Lebanese thing. I don't know. But she also tweeted this as a part of her opening statement. She says to the Philly mayor, Stop mouthing off when you don't know the facts. Oh, I think that's... Oh, he knows. He knows. Okay, so what's going on here? What, I mean, is this not the question of the day? When we hear about political correctness ad nauseum, I mean, the question is, is this utter stupidity and ignorance? Or is it just simply textbook political correctness? Or maybe it's both. I believe that instead of it being political correctness, PC, it's a powerful delusion, PD. And let me explain. Those who are fully given over to the evil of PC, I truly believe, have been fully immersed in the powerful delusion that God says he himself will send to those who believe the lie. Not a lie, the lie. By the way, it's the same powerful delusion demonstrated by this Philadelphia mayor that has given way to Muslim men raping women in Angela Merkel's Germany. And the media, shame on them, remains silent. These Muslim migrants, 
that they welcome with open arms New Year's Eve, thousands of Arab men raping a hundred women. Those are just the ones that reported it. This is not political correctness. This is a powerful delusion. Second Thessalonians 2.9 The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives, listen, deceives those who are perishing. Here's why they perish. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have, and this is interesting to me, delighted in wickedness. There's almost a delight with which this insane wickedness is met. They delight in it. They delight in it. I hesitated to share this article. Someone sent this to me last week. It's really lengthy, but very sobering. It's titled, Tet, Take Two, Islam's 2016 European Offensive. It was written by Matthew Bracken and posted back on November 30th of last year. Let me share a couple of uh, excerpts from this must-read article that you can find at gatesofvienna.net. Gatesofvienna.net. Quote, One way or the other, Muslim migrants will be attempting to move inside of German homes and apartments seeking heat and food, and the young Muslim men will be seeking undefended infidel or kafir women to slake their lust, which is their right under Islamic Sharia law. Did you know that? You, you weren't told that, were you? You won't be told that. This is a Muslim's right under Sharia law. No wonder they're wanting to kill anyone who represents American law. You know, we have three police officers. Actually, one's the uh, sergeant, the captain at the Kailua Police Department, Artie Kendall, and Urban, and uh, Paula. And I'll tell you, uh, I have such an admiration and respect for these police officers. And I like to go out of my way to thank, every time I see a police officer, like I do with the military, I want to thank them for their service. They're under attack. Please pray for law enforcement. Please pray for police officers. I think this is only the beginning. Keep in mind, this was written back in November of last year. He all but predicted that this is exactly what would happen in Germany because of their open door and open arms 
to these so-called refugees. Oh, by the way, another thing, uh, very busy week, uh, two Islamic State Muslim men, refugees from Iraq, Islamic State, arrested on the mainland. California, and I think, I forget what the other state was. Texas. Yeah. Thank you, Marilyn. Ten points. <laughs> I don't know what the ten points are for, but you got ten. Wow. Really? The article goes on to say, 2016 is shaping up to be an epic year in European and world history. I hope that whatever develops across the Atlantic might at least provide clear lessons that will be valuable for the defense of a free and sovereign United States of America, including lessons about the extreme danger of importing millions of Islamic muhajirin, which is Arabic for immigrants. And lastly, thank God, through our founding fathers, for the first and second amendments to the United States Constitution. You know what's going on, right? Unlike the Europeans, we are at least still free to warn one another of impending dangers without our being silenced by the traitor elites who operate the levers of state power. And because of the Second Amendment, we will never be pulled down to the ground like helpless lambs by the Islamic hyenas and socialist jackals. When one too many ravenous foxes are placed into the hen house by socialist traitors, in due time, both the foxes and the traitors might just get a face full of buckshot. I like this guy. And he says, lastly, just remember, never, ever give up your guns. You're going to need them. Oh. But we're told that Americans cling to their guns and Bibles and their religion. <sighs> what do you think the State of the Union address is going to be about on Tuesday? Did you see that uh, address by the President of the United States? I thought it was very interesting that Chris Kyle's widow, the uh, American sniper, uh, who was murdered senselessly. And uh, she asked him, she was at that town hall meeting, and she asked him about it. And his answer was, I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> I'll just let you fill in the blank. Time doesn't permit me to talk about many other things. I mean, we're just 10 days into January. 10 days into January. I think you would agree the world is coming apart. <laughs> the world is coming apart. You'll forgive me if this sounds a bit cliche, but Bible prophecy is coming together proportionate to how the world is falling apart. This should not come as any surprise to those of us who know the Word of God and the God of the Word. I want to say... In closing, very simply, and you see it there on the screen, there is no hope for mankind. It is truly, in every sense of the word, hopeless. Our hope is not in the stock market. It better not be, especially with the opening bell tomorrow. 
I hope your hope isn't in this upcoming presidential election. There's no hope. There's no hope. The only hope for mankind is salvation found only in Jesus Christ and the soon return of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope. And this is why we cry and pray, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. Loving Heavenly Father, I'm not going to make any assumptions that everyone here in this church is born again. And in addition to that, I'm going to make the assumption that there are many who might watch this video on YouTube who are not born again. Lord, I pray that today, in and through this prophecy update, which clearly demonstrates how hopeless it is for this lost and dying world, this fallen world, that it would bring them to the place where they realize that their only hope is in you, Jesus. For that businessman who is losing everything, that investor who has already lost everything, for that husband, for that wife who's lost their marriage, their family, for that employee who has lost their job, their income, their livelihood. And for all, Lord, who have lost hope. We can live without food and water for a number of days, but we can't live even seconds without hope. I pray that today they would put their hope and trust in you, that they would call upon you and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi everyone, this is Lisa Haven and I've got a critical report to share with you today. And that is this, the Obama administration has truly upped their attack against Christians, patriots, gun owners, and anyone, quite frankly, in stark opposition to their tyrannical rule. Uh, what I want to warn you about today is quite, is, it's very, very important. In fact, Advocates who support the Second Amendment are now warning gun owners and patriots that it's very possible in the near future with Obama's new executive action on gun legislation that we could be looking at being labeled as mentally ill if we go against any claim of the government, labeling it oppositional defiance disorder. Now, I've looked up this disorder in a dictionary or actually in the... Uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition. And it's actually on page 91 if you want to get technical here. But here is the definition of oppositional defiant 
disorder, which already exists. It's not something new. Uh, but a recurrent pattern of negativistic, defiant, disobedient, and hostile behavior toward authority figures, any authority figure, which typically begins at a very young age, but, 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 can survive into adulthood. Um, the reason that I want to bring this to you is because I know, and I did a few reports not that long ago about Obama and his recent gun legislation, which he wants to make it a, a, a law or a rule or uh, he wants to put legislation through, making it where your doctor, yes, your personal doctor, can say whether you're mentally stable to own a gun or not. If you have some kind of mental condition and they don't think you're appropriate, they can thereby take your guns away. And not only that, but he wants to put more um, more background checks, more stick runs, more hire more personnel to run checks on our guns. Now, I did a report on this. I'll leave a link below if you want to verify that. I'll also leave a link uh, to the actual site as well. But with all this in consideration, if we see the way other countries have gone, we see the way countries are today, and we look at the picture and overall agenda, I can tell you with 100% certainty, no matter what Obama says, because he lies often, that they want to come after our guns. And they're going to do it step by step by step by step. Take away this right, this right, this right, this right. And over so many years, you know, we're going to have our rights completely removed. It is going to be so much paperwork, so much critical information that you're not going to be able to own a gun anymore because quite frankly, there will be something that disqualifies it, be it that it's your doctor, be it that it's your child who has a medical diagnosis, be it that you've been diagnosed with oppositional defiant disorder because, well, because you make YouTube videos like myself or because you watch YouTube videos that say anything against the president. Uh, you are thereby being ODD. I see 1984 Orwellian-style crap, so to speak, underway. But let me not just talk, talk. Let me show you some of the information, and then I want to take you to places like China, Uzbekistan, and Cuba, and show you how they're already doing it today, uh, as well as with the Soviet Union. We know in the Soviet Union, they, are, they did a lot of psychiatric mistreatment of people. They went as far in the old Soviet Union to say, okay, if you're against the government, then you were labeled with sluggish, schizophrenia. Uh, make sure you Google that and look it up. Uh, but that happened before. It's happened before in the Soviet Union. It's happened before in China. It's happened before in other countries where any political opposition was put in a mental institution or put uh, under some kind of banner. Now, they may not use ODD, oppositional defiance disorder. They could call it something else. <laughs> you know, they've got a lot of names. They can make up a name for crying out loud if they want to as well. But let's dive in to some of this report. Okay, so the first one here I want to show you is on Infowars.com, and this was put together by Kit Daniels just a couple of days ago on January 5th. Americans critical of government can lose their gun rights due to executive order. Psychologists, for example, could diagnose conservative libertarians with quote-unquote oppositional defiant disorder in adults. This is something that we really need to have a heads up about, and I 
highly recommend you come over here and read this in its entirety. It's got lots more information than just the headline that I'm sharing with you here. But I want you to get the idea. Um, here is the other report. This is also by InfoWars, and this was put out by Paul Joseph Watson that same day. Americans with alternative views could be labeled crazy or mentally ill, have guns taken. Preppers, people who complain about corruption previously deemed mentally defective. Now, the reason that preppers are obviously on here, that they've added it, is because we know in documents like the right-wing extremist document, preppers are targeted. Project Megiddo, preppers are targeted. Anybody who stocks ammo, guns, food, and the like, they see as a threat. Why? Because they don't want you to be self-sufficient. They don't want you to have the capability to live off the grid, so to speak. This is why we're getting smart meters put on our house, and we're having so much technology that's able to monitor us. Big Brother is watching you, uh, George Orwell, obviously. But a great report here as well that delves into some of Obama's latest executive actions. Now, what I want to do now is take you to that executive action once again, and I'm really going to brief it because I've went over it in a prior video here. And uh, here it is. Facts, fact sheets, new executive action to reduce gun violence and make our communities a safer place. Do uh, you want to make me barf? But his four goals were keep guns out of the right hands through more intense background checks. Let's hire more people, hire more ATF, because we just love the ATF. Uh, you know, uh, FBI will hire more than 230 examiners, uh, making it highly difficult, make our community safer from gun violence. Um, you can read a little more about that there, more background checks, more uh, hacking to just, you know what, here's how other countries did it. Other countries put more background checks to the, to the, to the tizzle, to the top, and as a result, guns were slowly taken away following the same concept here. Uh, three, ooh, increased mental health treatment and reporting to background check system. Now, he put out a rule, and I went over this rule the other day in a separate document, which he specifically stated in this rule, and I'll show it to you in a brief moment, where medical doctors and stuff have the right to say whether or not you're capable of holding a gun if a certain medical thing um, is in your path and doesn't say what medical they just get to determine that if you're mentally fit for a gun and and god forbid you have some kind of liberal uh libtard guy that just wants to take guns from everybody some doctor of that nature uh, I, i'm just going to pray that that doesn't happen uh, but shape the future of gun safety technology putting more gun um restrictions more safety safe and a safe and a safe and a safe you know whatever all right let me show you those rules real quick here, those are, I'll leave a link, but real quick, I'll just show you here on page two that those actions, actions that Barack, President Barack Obama announced 23 executive actions aimed at curbing gun violence in the nation. They include the federal government to strengthen the national background check system and a specific commitment to address legal barriers, particularly relating to the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act that may prevent states from making information available to the background check system. So uh, they want to remove the legal barriers between the privacy between you and your doctor and have that information. That is what it boils down to in a nutshell. Now, with this in mind, you have to ask yourself, uh, has this happened before? And as I said earlier, it's happened in the Soviet. Let me show you that link. 
And here we are, Political Abuse of Psychiatry in the Soviet Union. This is just a Wikipedia link uh, because I don't want to get into too, de too much detail, but I want to show you that there is validity in that statement earlier where basically they labeled anyone who there was a, you know, political – Anyone who was in political opposition was called a psychological mechanisms of dissidence, or eventually it was termed uh, sluggish schizophrenia, as you'll see here in a moment. Here we go. And this is what it was dubbed. Anyone who was in stark opposition in the USSR were labeled that. And then they were thrown into a mental institution. They were um, removed and stripped of their rights. And, you know, obviously they, they didn't have any guns. They weren't allowed to have guns. But that was the way that the governments of the time handled their political opposition. Now, here's something else to think about is is to ask the question, is this happening already today in other countries? Well, heck, yeah, it is. Let me show you this. This is uh, the Fixated Threat Assessment Center. This is Chapter 20. But in the United Kingdom, and let me show you the link here so you have it. But in the United Kingdom, currently today, a specialized unit known as this Fixated Threat Assessment Center has been granted the authority to incarcerate or arrest anyone who has, been, who has given improper or threatening, intimidating of any sort, communication to a member of the government and can be sent to a psychiatric ward or some other form of punishment. According specifically to page 7, I'm going to take you there in a moment, um, it, says, it says this. Let me just take you there first. Uh, scrolling on to page 7. Here we are. And it states that the warning behaviors that can set off alarms, so to speak, to make it where you have uh, threatened the government or whatever reason and you're part of this threat. Well, these are some of the alarm bells that they use. Warning behaviors include putting up posters, newspaper advertisements that basically are against the government or attack the government, attempted lawsuits against the government, chaotic, diluted letters to politicians and the police, threatening letters, leafleting the public, or basically sending out flyers or pamphlets to the public, telling them of the corruption in the government, telling friends of the intent to attack, and in one case, attempted self-immolation in front of the eventual victim's place of work. Uh, those last ones are obviously legit and extreme, but to say that you can't put up a poster that is degrading the government because the government is putting rules and regulations and, and tearing up your freedoms to say that you can't have a newspaper advertisement or you can't put flyers out or you can't speak against them. That's insanity. And they're, 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 they're to the point where this organization, that is what they do. Fixated Threat Assessment Center. They apply threats and, and, and they have mental behaviors, but these are some of the things. And I encourage you uh, to read this, but it also gets into public stalking and how you can stalk a public figure in this thing. But this is um, out of the United Kingdom, not here in America. But I wanted to show you that things like this are already happening in other countries. So they're labeled with some kind of mental uh, delusional 
emotional loner disorder, so to speak. But um, And you can see it's very well linked to psychiatry. But great read. Now, this isn't the only country. The UK is not the only one. Also, China is very, very huge on this. Archive, and there's a link up there at wilsonquarterly.com. So this is the website. I'm not going to read it all to you. But China's, China's political lunatics. Uh, Judiciary Psychiatry in China and its Political Abuses. Now, the abuses in China for political dissidents have been going on for decades. It's not something new. It's something that never gets brought up here in America. Why? Because they want to do the same thing here. So they push the problem under the rug so you have no idea what they are talking about or what is going on. But they are so bad in China that people who are uh, politically against the regime or against communism are targeted and labeled by the government as mentally ill. And they've been doing it for decades, like I said. Many are incarcerated, forced to work in labor camps, or even sent to psychiatric wards and put through electroshock therapy in some cases. Now, we also know that Christians are persecuted. They have the underground church in China. That just goes in the whole pie, the enchilada there. But so are those who are political dissidents. Here's another great link I really encourage you to read. This is on NewYorkBooks.com on the New York Review of Books, China's Psychiatric Terror. Now, this was even issued back in 2003, but it paints a good picture of how bad things are for political. They even have people labeled political maniacs, uh, and there's just so much corruption for anyone who stands in stark opposition to what the government is doing. Uh, Now, a few other places include Cuba and Uzbekistan, where they employ the psychiatric incarceration of citizens for something as little as a political protest. Uh, And those aren't the only countries by far. Uh, Those are just a few because I want you to get a picture that, look, it's already happening today. If you don't think it's possible and it can happen in America, it's already happening in countries abroad. Uh, If we want to know what America is going to look like in the future, just look at some of the other countries. Look at what's going on in Europe. Look at what's going on in Australia with gun rights and gun legislation. This is who America is trying to mold themselves after. They don't want to be a country for the people, by the people, created with our laws, our regulations. They want to make it where they have the thumb over the citizens and basically control every aspect of their lives. Now, I believe in government. I believe we should have government. I do not believe in big government. I think we are way too flipping big today, and that needs to be taken down littler. Uh, On top of that, we need more states' rights. The states keep bowing down to the feds like some baby instead of standing up and going for their rights. You know, they're letting things like judge, judges, uh, Supreme Court say, hey, you're going to follow this new federal rule that we're going to, you know, push on the land and you have to now accept a homosexual marriage in your state. Amen. Even though each state had their own rule, own regulation, uh, they overstood that and they had no right to do that. Same with Common Core. They offered money and dangled money in front of the states and the states took it like a little baby. So this is upsetting to me. And excuse me if I come a little bold on this, but we're just letting it slip right through our hands. And here we are again. Our gun rights are about to be taken. And look, they're going to start labeling people 
such as us, such as people who are in, in, are in opposition with some kind of medical disorder, be it oppositional defiance disorder or some other thing, sluggish schizophrenia or whatever title they want to add it to. Why? Because that's how they work. It's already happening in countries abroad, my friends, and I want to prevent it from happening here in America, and that's simply why I get it out to you. Anyhow, I uh, wanted to bring you the latest on what's happening. This is Lisa Haven. Oh, and don't forget, uh, just a few things. If you're not prepared with food, get prepared now with um, foodforliberty.com backslash haven. Also, if you want a really good detox, and it really works for me, and I, and I drink it uh, monthly now. I kind of stay on it, and, and it's great, and it tastes good. Uh, but getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Get the tea. Dot com <laughs> and uh, great detox and they also have other products there that are are great as well. Anyhow, thanks for tuning into my channel. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button right there and check me out uh, more in the future for more info on what's going on. This is Lisa Haven signing off. Welcome to the coming apocalypse. Evangelist and pastor Paul Bagley will take you on a journey into the end times prophecy. He'll examine current world events and explain how they relate to the end times. For decades, Pastor Bagley has provided people all over the world with an understanding of today's world events from a biblical perspective. Now here's your host, Pastor Paul Bagley. Welcome. This is the coming apocalypse, and I'm Pastor Paul Begley. And you better get ready because we're going to crash the gates of hell today in this broadcast. And you know what? Have you ever felt like you needed, you wanted to do that anyway? I mean, sometimes things are getting so out of control, and life is uh, filled with pitfalls and, and snares. And you begin to realize that there is an enemy fighting you if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, you need to understand there really is a heaven. That people are all wanting to go to, but there's a hell also that doesn't have your reservation. It's not God's intention, but it was made for the devil and his angels, Lucifer. Well, we're getting ready to show you some preaching that we did in April of 2013. I was preaching in Jamaica with 6,000 people in attendance, a message called Crashing the Gates of Hell. And there's no question... To be an overcomer in, the, in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to understand your authority you have over the devil. You know, Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. Nevertheless, rejoice not, because the spirits are subject unto you, but because your name is written down in glory. And I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. You know, every time folks get saved, I, I let them know. I say, look, God just picked up that golden pen and began to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the angels start dancing down the golden avenues of glory because another person has just been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So I want you to set back, take this in, as join the five to 6,000 people that gathered in Jamaica for this message titled, Crashing the Gates of Hell. And the Bible says that the keeper of the prison saw what happened and would have killed himself. Paul told him not to do any harm and he called for a light.
they sprang in a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Woo! Woo! And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour at night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, and he went all of his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he sat down meet before them, and they rejoiced, believing in God which all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, let those men go. I don't think those guys got any sleep that night, do you? The foundation of their soul was shaken, too. Let them go, he said. But I like this part. And it says, uh, And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, And the magistrates have sent to let you go. So now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said, Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys here didn't put me here. I want to hear it from the guy that put me here. You tell them to come down to this prison and tell me for themselves. See, don't let the devil off scot-free, folks. When he bothers you, you take him to the cross of Calvary. You remind him what happened on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. You take him to the place where the head of the serpent was bruised and the heel of Christ was bruised and the devil was defeated. You remind him daily the power of his crucifixion and the power of his resurrection. Sometimes when I get preaching just real good, I remind the devil of his destiny. I said, may I remind you, Lucifer, I just think I'll take it, just can I do it right? Listen to me, Lucifer, you were defeated at Calvary. You have been reserved in the chains of everlasting darkness and perdition of ungodly men. You're going where the beast and the false prophet are. You'll be tormented day and night, and the smoke of your torment will ascend up forever. And you're not coming out of there because Jesus is holding the keys of hell and death. And hell was not made for one person in this building or anyone watching by television or the internet. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. But it's being enlarged because of those that are following Lucifer into the smoky sides of the pit. Isaiah said... He said, O oh, Lucifer, thou son of the morning, how you say that you would exalt yourself above the knowledge of God, that you would set high above the sides of the north, above the congregation, but you have been cut down, and you will be clinging to the sides of the pit, and they that see thee will narrowly look upon you and consider you and say, Is this the man that caused the earth to tremble and shook the foundations of the city? Listen, friend, if you die and go to hell, listen to me very closely. As you are falling into the bottomless pit, in an endless fall, in endless darkness, in an endless fire, 
for endless time. As you fall, you will reach to grab a hold of the sides of the molten lava of the pit of darkness. It might take you 10,000 years. It might take you 20,000 years. But at some point, as you grab a hold and hang on for a few moments, you'll turn your head and the man hanging next to you will be Lucifer himself. And you'll look him into his eyes of demonic oppression and say, Is this the man? Is this the man that brought me here? You! You're not worth it! And you'll hear the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth and you'll cry to God. Is this the man I followed? And in hell, he will be the most cursed, the most hated, the most despised, the most rejected being in the entire gates of hell. But for the saints, when they ask who we followed, When I get a glimpse, the first glimpse of that city, and I see the 12 gates are wide open, and there's 12 foundations made of 12 precious stones with the names of the 12 apostles, and the golden streets is transparent glass, and I hear a voice say, welcome in to the joys of the Lord. I'm going to stroll through Heaven's Avenues, hugging everybody I see. And at some point, I'm going to see him. And when I do, (laughs) I'm going to say, is this the man that brought me to glory? Is this Jesus? I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building right now in the name of Jesus. Who are you following? Your foundation needs shaken. Your hope needs restored. The devil's stolen just about enough of your life. It's time for you to break out and come to the man called Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. As you stand there right now anticipating your decision of heaven or hell, if you choose to go to hell tonight, this evening's sermon, this evening's worship, this evening's power will ring in your ears for eternity. You'll beg God for one 30-second chance to run down that aisle and accept Christ as your Savior. And I want you right now, as As the Spirit of God moves on you, if you want to be a Christian, if you're tired of the sin, if you're tired of the devil lying to you, if you're tired of being defeated, break out right now. Come out. Come now to the altar. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Do it now in Jesus' name. Come now. Come now. 
Come now. Come now. Ask the person next to you. If they're not saved, ask them, do you want to go? I'll go with you. Ask them now in Jesus' name. Ask them right now in Jesus' name. Come now. Come now. Come now. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come on, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Whom the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. They're coming. They're coming. They're on their way. Satan, you're losing your grip. Satan, the chains are breaking. Satan, you're defeated by the blood of the Lamb. They're coming. They're coming from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west. Bring them all. Bring them all. Bring them all. Bring them all. Bring them all in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Wow, are you serious? I mean, all I can say is, you know, there's something about getting in an atmosphere when people, you know, the, 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 when the atmosphere has a spirit of expectancy, well, you know something's going to happen when people come to church or when people gather in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with an ear to hear and with their spirit opened up to receive. And I tell you, the folks down in Jamaica absolutely uh, were ready. And Bishop Dr. Delford Davis, who uh, invited us to come and to preach in that great convention, we're just so thankful. Now, there's some key points that was going on during all of the preaching. We know Paul and Silas got out of prison. I mean, the devil couldn't contain them. See, sometimes we think that when we get a beating from the devil or when we get attacked by the devil or when Lucifer tries to derail us, that God has somehow forgotten us or that we've messed up or we're not doing something right. Actually, it's quite the, the opposite. If you're actually doing the work of the Lord and pushing forward, you will have opposition. Paul said, when I went to do good, evil was always present. And so, look, Jesus went and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, praying to the Father for spiritual strength to be able to withstand the events that he was going to be encountering. And as soon as he got done praying, Lucifer came to tempt him while he was physically weak and tried to stop his mission. And that was to come here to be the spotless lamb of God, to die on a rugged cross, to redeem man from fallen state and to put us on a road to glory. Oh, yes. And he also had the intention of crashing the gates of hell. And he did. Praise the Lord. Would you grab a Bible, though? Let's go back and look at those scriptures in Isaiah chapter 14. And right there it is in verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from thrones all the kings of nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials and the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. 
Lucifer had decided that he was going to exalt himself above the heights of God. But the prophet Isaiah reminds him that hell is already preparing itself for him and the angels that were in rebellion against God so many, so many years ago. Actually, Lucifer tried to overtake the Lord. And of course, he failed. God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning, the end. He's the first and the last. And Christ said, I am he that was dead, but I'm alive, and that forevermore. Speaking of the fact that he rose from the grave. You are going to have an enemy. Your adversary, Peter said, the devil's like a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. But I'm here to tell you once again what Paul said. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you're a conqueror, more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that strengthens you. Paul and Silas in a Philippine jail. There was nobody to come that day for their bail. But prayer, and they started singing and praying at the midnight hour, and there came deliverance. The foundation of hell itself in that prison started to shake. And, of course, the doors flew open, freeing everybody. The prisoners were set free. Paul and Silas certainly were delivered. And even the jailer thought about taking his own life. But Paul was there for a mission to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person, including those that were holding him captive. Are you serious? I, every time I think about that uh, story, every time I read that story, I just feel the, uh, the, the, the power surging of the Holy Ghost because of the great deliverance that God has given to his people. How many times in the Bible has the Lord delivered his people? From Daniel in the den of lions, by faith, his power of his prayer got Daniel in the den of lions, but prayer is what got him out. And uh, it was the three Hebrew boys who refused to bow uh, before the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And the king said he would throw them into the furnace. And they said, King, we're not too careful to answer you. But we, uh, you know, whether the Lord delivers us or not, we're not going to bow. But we believe he's going to deliver us. And so this persistence, this tenacity, uh, uh, this willingness to believe God at all costs, even unto death if necessary, that is the power that these, right now, that the last day's church has to have. I mean, you can't go around whining and wimpy. And, and all weak and anemic and th- barely holding on and think you're going, you know, oh, I'm just barely holding on. You've got to do more than just hold on. You better put on the whole armor of God. Get a helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Get your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to have a, your loins girded with truth and, and you need the shield of faith to fight off all the fiery darts of the devil. Why would you need armor? Because you're in a battle and you're also going to have to understand that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And you need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I don't want to just, we just watched me preach, but I, I just want to break down really what God is saying here. Look, matter of fact, look at the next verse, verse 12. Here's what the prophet Isaiah says. He says, how art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? In other words, what happened? I thought you were going to um, 
become great. I thought you were overtaking God himself. You, you know, see, Lucifer was created one of the archangels. He was actually in charge of the praise and worship of heaven. There are scriptures that say that his body was made of strings and pipes, like an organ. He was a musical masterpiece created by God himself to lead the worship and praise of the heavenly choir. But he allowed himself to take on the identity of evil. He allowed himself to try to overthrow. Now, you'll see the same spiritual characteristics in people today. Satan has many characteristics. He, has, he plays many hands. And uh, one of them is jealousy. One of them is strife. Another one, envy. Sometimes it's revenge. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, uh, to the point that uh, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's a liar and the father thereof. He'll use all kinds of tactics to achieve his goal. He believes that the, you know, the end justifies the means. There's other religions that practice the same thing. Christianity is not that way. As Christians, we preach that, you know, we're to have love, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. And we're to prefer our brethren. Matter of fact, we're taught to do unto others as we'd have them to do unto us. If you want to crash the gates of hell, it's not all about standing up and stomping the floor and yelling at the devil. Uh, and if you do, you better say Jesus' name. And we'll show you that in a couple episodes from now. But it's important to treat your fellow man right. This is what gives you power. Patience gives you virtue. Showing love to folks is what gives you the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Walking in the laws of God. Well, wait a minute now. Lucifer, you're not done yet. He did more than just try to um, understand his role. But look what it says in verse 13. Isaiah says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I mean, that's a lot of eyes there. Now, that's a lot of uh, declaration. But even Lucifer tries to prophesy his own destiny. The problem is he's preaching the wrong message. And he's fighting against the hand of God. I love what Isaiah begins to tell him about his destiny. Can I say this to you? When the devil brings up your past and tries to drag you down, stop him and remind him of his future. He doesn't like that very good. Here's what it says in Isaiah uh, verse 15, in chapter 14, verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? You see, if you die lost, my friend, if you, if you miss heaven and you follow, listen, you, you can't go to hell. Look, there's, it's hard to go to hell. Can I say that? It's hard to be lost. I mean, you gotta, you got to blow past grandma's prayers, first of all. you gotta, you got to disobey your mother's instruction. you gotta, you got to shut off every gospel song that comes on the radio. you got to drive by every church and every church steeple and try to 
sear your own conscience. It's not there. You've got to absolutely dread to hear the gospel preached. You literally, there's roadblocks. There's roadblocks. I'm right now. I'm I'm watching. I'm saying stop. Don't go into the way of of damnation. So for you to choose to be lost, you have to literally blow past the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary, the grace of God, the mercy of God. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. But if you do make that choice, you will fall into a bottomless pit. It's an endless fall into endless darkness in an endless fire for endless time. It's not a place for you. It was never God's intention. Lucifer, and if you die lost, my friend, as you're clinging to the sides of the pit, it might take 10,000 years, but you'll eventually meet eye to eye with the man that brought you there. And he will not be spectacular. He will not be magnificent. He will not be something that you uh, desire to follow. But he will be the most despicable creature in hell itself. He will be hated by every being and every soul that winds up in this place of torment where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I realize hellfire and brimstone preaching is not really in today's modern Christianity all that popular. But I'm really not interested in just making you feel good. I mean, you can feel good if you get saved. I mean, you don't have to worry about ending up here. I mean, you can have the love and the joy and the peace and the power there is with God. And greater is he that's in you, as I said earlier, than he that's in the world. You can crash the gates of hell. Jesus, when he died, he didn't just, his body didn't just lay cold on a slab inside the tomb. Christ, the Bible says, Christ went and preached to the spirits in prison, Peter said. I believe he held a three-day revival. I believe he entered into the darkness of the damned and snatched the keys of hell and death from the devil and said to the souls captive there, because even Jesus said, I will lead captivity captive. I'll take those of you captive and release you by following me. I believe he said that in three days, I'm going to leave this place. And when he did, he tore the gates of hell off its hinges and set the captives free. And he can do the same for you right now. There is nothing that can stop you from going to heaven if you want to choose Jesus Christ. The Bible says with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. You just watched me preaching two years ago in Jamaica as hundreds of people came to the altar in one of, of one of the more powerful altar calls that I've ever been involved in and people give their life to Jesus Christ. But it's an individual thing. You could go to my website right now at PaulBegleyProphecy.com. Go there right now. Get in the chat room and just type, look, I want to be saved. I came from the television broadcast. People are there right now. They know what time the shows air, and they're there right now. Why don't you go to the Lord? Why don't you call on the name of Jesus Christ? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to see you give your heart to the Lord. And if you want to know more about uh, what God is doing You know, you continue to read the scriptures and and study the word of the Lord and find a local church somewhere and, and, and just say, look, I give my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to go to heaven, seriously, and you don't have to be lost. We've already got the victory. Christ already defeated the devil. The gates of hell cannot prevail against us. 
And then, quite the contrary, we're crashing the gates of hell. We're taking it to the enemy. We're, we're stepping out by faith. We're moving forward as Christians. The last day church will be even stronger than the early church. But so will the persecution. And so we'll need to be ready. So time is running out. I believe you should give your life to Christ. Look, please, please, call on the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. We're running out of time. Folks, let me tell you something. I have a book I really recommend you should get. You go to my website at www.paulbegleyprophecy.com. I have a book entitled The Zombie Apocalypse. Now, it has to do with actual, 35 actual accounts of demonic possession and manifestations that uh, is very troubling but will help you understand how demon spirits actually work in these last days. I highly recommend you get it also for your teens and college students to help explain to them the pitfalls to not fall into these uh, sorcery or witchcraft seances, Ouija boards, or some video games that could alter the mind and the soul of your child. Again, this book is only at my website at www.paulbegleyprophecy.com. There you'll find it on the products page. It'll be a blessing to you, insightful, and you'll bless the ministry. Invigorate thy spirit. When I speak, 
the heavens become silent. I shall open the eyes of the mockers and scoffers, for they have blinded themselves to me. I have called thee to step forward this day, for the battle has begun. Evil fears thee, for you speak of the light. I shall hold all accountable. Step forward now and boldly proclaim my glory. Those that sling their arrows at thee shall be slain by the sword of justice. Darkness tries to hide from me, but I see all. My sheep grow restless and seek me. Let them know I am with them in words as well as deeds. Amen. Wow, I got the chills on that one. We are truly in the last days. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I am announcing the coming of the glorious kingdom and all his majesty. This prophetic time frame began on September 24th of 2015 and runs to April 6th of 2019. And as many of you are aware, we are in the time of darkness. God bless. Stay safe out there. Shalom. On Sunday mornings, before the prophecy update, we're going through 1 Corinthians, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And uh, today our text is going to be 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Uh, I'll ask you to turn there at this time, and once you do, if you're able, I'll ask you to stand. You can follow along. I'd like to begin reading in verse 1 for the sake of context for our study today. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If, verse 2, I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love, verse 4, is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Let's pray. We'll ask God's blessing on our understanding. Oh, Lord.